That's good. It's better than the original. Yeah, yeah. I just have to go with that from now on. Yeah. I mean, really, it's our version, so of course it's going to be better than anything yeah. they could do. Well, we had to do that. I think, I think we're having technical difficulties, some of the wires here. Denny! This is... up with this guy i don't know why we keep him employed yeah well we, we don't to, pay him but. yeah we had to do our own opening because denny can't is he still waiting for his bison dollars <laughs> him oh. and you got paid it's probably what he's saying in there well if he had a tongue that's what he'd be saying denny you asshole he can't even, like, you know, you'd call someone like that a bootlicker. Yeah. But he can't even lick someone's boots because he has no tongue. <laughs> he probably doesn't have any lips either. Yeah. But those have probably rotted away from all the filth and disease he lives in. Yeah. The tongue we cut out. Yeah. Because I just don't have time for his bullshit. Yeah, we're going to have to bleach out that room or something probably yeah, no. if we ever open it. <laughs> Fuck that. I'll just fucking douse it in kerosene and burn it to the ground. <laughs> I don't even know if he's alive in there. Yeah, there's a picture um, on Facebook. I uh, I gave the uh, you might have seen this picture. I gave the uh, the listeners a little preview of what our our multi million dollar recording area looks like. And if you look closely in the background, you can see this sign up here that says "Men" on it. The men's room. That's mm-hmm. Denny's room. Well, he doesn't belong in there then. Yeah, it just says "Men." So we've just got him in like our crappy old non functional bathroom. Well. I mean, my my argument is that men would imply human. Yeah. He's not human. He's <laughs> some kind of fucking subhuman. Well, it doesn't say gentlemen. It just says men. <laughs> Which is uh, from my uh, from my younger days, the sign, the, the men sign. It's from uh, when I worked at Pizza Hut. Dude. I took it. Pig shit and pens. <laughs> but that's cool. I wish I would have stolen something from the Pizza Hut you worked at. <laughs> yeah. I did have a couple free pizzas. Yeah. That was okay. But, yeah. You know. yeah. For, for free. I mean, you can't. Your wife worked there for a very long time mm-hmm. after you guys were out of yeah. the port. Yeah. Yeah. Paid for uh, school. Paid for yeah, a lot of stuff. That's with crazy the, that, that she did. 19 it, years or something. It, it continued time. to be a, a thing that she could do that actually helped because, I mean, it's. It's waiting tables at Pizza Hut, right? Like, I'm not um, disregarding or disrespecting your wife. I mean, it's cool that she worked in one place for 19 years, and I worked in one place for 16. But it's more like I'm surprised that waiting tables evenings at Pizza Hut while she was actually doing her life stuff during the day was something that actually produced something of worth, you know, because most people wouldn't associate that type of job with – being able to be something that sustains you, mm-hmm. especially not in Lockport of all places. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very small, like a podunk town in Illinois. Yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's just. Well, you worked with... at that place. You worked at that place that you're talking about for 16 years. I worked at that place not as long, but I worked there twice. You did. So does that count as? No, I'm not as no, cool as you. No, it doesn't. No, yeah. dang it, it doesn't count. 
Believe me, cool is not the word I would use to describe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It wasn't all bad. Some of it was good. Some of it was real good. Met some cool people there. Yeah. 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 I don't talk to any of them anymore. No. I'm friends with a few of them on Facebook, but yeah. fuck them. <laughs> people. So uh, episode nine? Nine. Oh, my goodness. Here we are, nine. We're one away from double digits, man. Yeah, that's crazy. And then after that, we're just closing up shop. Like we're done. That's it. Ten. We made it. We, we made won. it to ten. And <laughs> we won the internet. It's over. Shut down all the bandwidth. <laughs> yeah. Let's finally get Denny out of here at least. God. Then let's record ten tonight. Let's <laughs> get, get it over with. Be done with him. So uh, for Actually, the... we should probably then just keep going but not tell him oh, that yeah. we're still doing it. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. Because I really needed a reason to get rid of his ass. I used to say we need him to, you know, he sorts through all of our uh, reports and he sets up all our technical stuff. You get these technical glitches going on now. It's like, oh boy. Dropping and as the ball, for man. All the reports and all the mail and shit, like, yeah. I don't really care. Yeah. Like, I don't care what people are saying or yeah. like all the fan mail. You know, uh, somebody once said to me, why don't you do an unboxing? It's like, I don't give a shit what people are sending to me. <laughs> That shit all goes in the garbage anyway. You yeah. know what? I think so little of it. I'd give it to Denny. Well, that's the thing. Like people send a like uh, people send us like uh, gift baskets and stuff. I think Denny like lives off that stuff. The reason he's still alive is because of you fuckers. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> keep sending those pound cakes. <laughs> Why don't you send lethal injections to Denny? <laughs> all right, that's pretty harsh. God damn it, Denny. I'm Ray Price. With me as always is the Megatron to my Optimus Prime. All right, I'll I'll take that. Tom Tolios. Hey, everybody. Uh, the reason I did that is because then that way neither one of us is second fiddle. Right. You always complain about that. So we may be enemies, but at least we're both leaders. And I'm arguably the more memorable one. <laughs> Although Peter Collins' voice is more memorable than Frank Welker's. Michael Bay proved that. Oh. Legit, I don't want to shit on Frank Welker. I mean, his Megatron is something that I'll always remember. You know, it's it's not bad. It's just that Optimus Prime's voice, Peter Cullen reprising that role in so many different venues and so many different projects and so many different productions. Mm-hmm. Um, and also his, you know, him being the voice of like Cartoon Network and stuff like yeah. that. Like Frank Welker didn't do any of that. Also, Megatron has been recast several times and stuff, and he hasn't um, been associated with the role as strongly since the 1980s, whereas Peter Collins, if I hear anyone else and it's Optimus Prime talking, I don't hear Peter Collins' voice. It just sounds weird to yeah, me. Yeah, you just want to shut at it le- off. At least if it's like some iteration of the version that we know, the popular version, like the wise and powerful and great leader, not like, you know, young convoy or something like that. Mm. Like that, it's okay if that's not Peter Collins because it wouldn't make sense for a young and inexperienced commander to have that particular voice, but... yeah. If it's a version of the character from the 80s show, then it's got to be Peter. Sure. Peter GTFO. Yeah, right. Exactly. So. Um, I just read that uh, Frank Welker is getting uh, like a lifetime Emmy, like either recently or soon. He's getting, uh, a, they're giving him a lifetime Good achievement award. Yeah, because he's just been around for, I think the first time I can remember hearing him was um, uh, Freddy on uh, Scooby-Doo. That was him? yeah. yeah. Is that the original? Yeah, the old Scooby Doo from like nineteen sixty nine is uh yeah, yeah. Wow. With the ascot, yeah. Freddy. Freddy's Megatron. It'd be funny if they had Megatron with an ascot. Yeah. You could do that. With the white shirt. The pro- yeah. I, if you look on Google, there's probably it probably already exists. I'm sure it does. 
Uh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, go on IMDb and you'll spend no less than like an hour there like, if looking the, at all his roles. It's insane. If the Decepticons were the Scooby gang, who would be who? Oh, my God. I don't know. Well, uh, I mean, well, would Megatron be Freddy just because it's Frank Walker or would we pick somebody else? Well, they're both kind of like the de facto leader. Like he always drives the van, right? Right. He's sort of the leader, I guess. I know. And uh, there's, ironically, there are two voice actors from uh, Transformers there because uh, Casey Kasem was uh, Cliff Jumper, and he was also uh, Shaggy. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so you get two of them there. But you can't have Cliff Jumper being no, in the Scooby gang right, because he, the Decepticon Scooby gang. Yeah, so that you'd have to sense. pick somebody else. I don't know who you would uh, who you'd get for that. Would it be Prowl? Is, no, Prowl's an He's Autobot. an Autobot, too, yeah. No, who's did. the... Uh, what's the, the There's Panther not many choices one. in the Decepticon. No, the Panther one. Like, Ravage? Ravage, that's yeah. it. Could be Scooby. We'd yeah. have to be, because he's be a... Could be Scooby. I guess you'd make Rumble Shaggy. <laughs> that was Michael Bell, wasn't it? <sighs> Rumble. No, that was also Frank Welker. Really? Yeah. Who did Michael Bell Michael Bell was Prowl. That's right. Michael Bell's awesome. He was proud. He was also uh, the leader of the Constructicons. Uh, I'm going to kill him. Uh, how could I not know this? Scrapper. Scrapper. Wait, Scrapper? Are you sure? Yeah, That's Scrapper's name, the Scrapper. leader of the Constructicons. Scrapper, Scavenger, Mixmaster, Longhaul, Bronecusher, and Hook. <laughs> do you still remember, know them all. Well, do you remember when they first showed the Constructicon episodes on the Bozo show? Oh, I pooped a little. And um, I believe they – I believe like – it was all pre-recorded because Bozo was calling the leader Gravedigger. I specifically remember that. That you ring that? that rings like a very vague bell in the back well, of my I mind. Think Grave I Digger, must know that somehow. I think Gravedigger is a fucking cool name, it but is. I can understand why they wouldn't call him Gravedigger. But I wonder, a kid's toy. yeah, I wonder where they got that information from. Like, I mean, Hasbro must have sent them little packets. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the synopsis and how that name got thrown in there like maybe that was his name but then they changed it or something oh you know what because it was the 80s and there was like you know there was all like the tractor pulls all the time and like there was wasn't there a grave digger uh there there might have been a big monster truck grave digger so maybe like they had to change a name at the zero hour before the toys came out maybe those was just fucking with everybody yeah i don't know uh for those of you who don't know what the fuck we're talking about when transformers came out i believe this would have been 1984 or 83, 83, 84. Was it really that long ago? Yeah. The cartoon came before the toys here, as I recall. I remember the Marvel comic was first, then the animated, I believe, and then the toys came last, I think. I think it was like the order was like a little bit weird. But Oh, you're talking about Transformers licensing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like okay. we, the first. Yeah, I know the comic. The first book. commercial. I ever saw for Transformers was for the Marvel comic. A couple of interesting... I remember that commercial. I distinctly remember that commercial. I have those comics somewhere. I have the commercial on a videotape somewhere. What I remember the most about that that miniseries was the third issue where Spider-Man was a guest star. (laughs) That's right, yeah. It was symbiote Spider-Man, his black costume. And the fourth issue ended with the Autobots all, quote-unquote, dead. Yeah, there was that awesome cover of Shockwave. Yeah, the Transformers. The Transformers are, and are well, that was dead. issue five. Issue five. That okay. was issue five. The Transformers are all dead. Yeah. Was it, it wasn't Spike in the comic. His name was Buster. Yeah, right. And it was him and Bumblebee. Mm-hmm. Was it? They return to the Ark. Yeah. And they find all the Autobots like hanging upside down, and they're all <laughs> yeah. like tattered remains. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. This is how they're ending the miniseries. But of course, they said coming in a few months, Transformers number five. Yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I see Ray has you've brought out your Transformers comics, which are all bagged and boarded. Yep. And uh yeah, here it is. Transformers number three in a four issue limited series. Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, guest starring Spider Man. <laughs> and it's Spider Man swinging around Megatron, webbing him up yeah. while a bunch of the other Decepticons just kind of stand by and watch the whole thing. Yeah. And uh Spider Man is in his black symbiote costume, which would eventually become Venom. And then issue four, number four in a four issue limited series, the Transformers more than meets the eye, um, the Transformer or the Autobots last stand, and it's Optimus Prime shooting. I can't tell if it's Soundwave or what. Yeah, it does look like Soundwave because yeah. he's got like the looks like the cassette thing. Yeah, and there's Megatron there. flying in on the side. Mm, weird but, colors, right? Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is that the first issue, the cover is by Bill Sienkiewicz. And um, it's uh, it's not good. <laughs> but uh, it was the eighties. Well, art wasn't as good back then. <laughs> here, no, well, that's not true. <laughs> but here's the thing, though: it's a very distinct cover. Like, you know, know what? I, that, look at that cover. Is that not uh, uh, the cover of an? It looks just like the cover in Atari Twenty Six Hundred game, doesn't it? Yeah, it absolutely does. Optimus Prime looks strangely. Uh, Angry on the cover, yeah. like yeah. he's crushing a Decepticon, probably yeah. Thundercracker. Yeah, murdering him. Murder. He's crushing him in his hand, and he's <laughs> screaming. There's like a guy and a kid, like superimposed behind yeah. it, and it just that that in particular reminds me of a of an Atari Twenty Six Hundred right. game. Oh, cover. it absolutely does, because there are game there are Atari Twenty Six Hundred boxes and cover art that would have pictures of people. I was like, who the fuck are these? Yeah, who are people? the people and why are they like superimposed behind yeah. like you know, the foreground artwork and yeah, what's my, going on here? My first Atari twenty six hundred game ever was Maze Craze. And of course I played my Atari my first Atari my parents bought it for me, but they didn't have a TV for me. <laughs> except for a combined transistor radio slash TV. Black and white? Black and white. Yeah. The screen was Luckily pop- the twenty six hundred had that switch that yeah. you could switch it to black and white. But it did, and it made it easier for me to play. But that screen is about the size of my Samsung Galaxy Note yeah. 3 yeah. cell phone. Yeah, I know Note 3. It's old. Fuck off. It still works. <laughs> but it's like it was the same size. Now, imagine playing Maze Craze <laughs> yeah. of all games on a screen that small. But I fucking did it. Yeah. It probably explains why I'm having all the eye problems I'm having now. <laughs> but I was like, where are the cops? Where the robbers? Yeah. It's just a maze with a bunch of squares. Yeah. But I guess cops and robbers is more interesting than just a maze with. Well, so you gotta, yeah, you gotta do something to buy it. That's one thing those games have is like great artwork on the cover. <laughs> so you play the game and just be like, oh, okay. Some games had a lot of personality, like the gunfight game, yeah, like the cowboy shooting game and dodge them. Mm-hmm. You know, like some games did adventure, of course. Yeah. Some of the box art was really representative of the graphics, but others were. There's a no. book out. Um, Atari Twenty Six Hundred art book. It's got like all the all the covers of all the games. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, Danian sent it to me not too long ago, and he's like, "Yeah, check this out." I'm like, I gotta, I gotta get that because they have a Sega one too. I think there's a Sega Genesis with like all the cover art from a bunch of different games. I don't know if it's every game, but it's a lot of games. Oh, what I wanted to say, I got a little off track. I wanted to explain to people what we were talking about with the Bozo Show. Now, we had the Bozo Show in Chicago. I don't know how syndicated that was. I don't know how many people had that in, like, the 1980s. I'm pretty sure that it was predominantly, like, by the 80s, it was just a Chicago thing. Yeah. I, so, somebody out there is probably like, no, it wasn't. You, you guys are wrong. We don't care. 
Um, so the first exposure we ever got to the Transformers and G.I. Joe, right? Yeah. Both Transformers and G.I. Joe. I remember Transformers being like being on Bozo the same way that well, no, that's not this. I was going to compare it to Zelda on Mario, but that's not true. I remember they would show Transformers um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, yeah. and it was in ten minute clips because if you remember, or not even so, 10 it would minute go clips. like on Monday during the Bozo show, you would get from the you would get the opening to the first commercial break, so it'd be like ten minutes, and then on it wasn't Wednesday, even ten minutes. It was like because think about it's like a twenty four minute episode, so it's like eight, yeah, probably eight minutes, and then on Wednesday you got from the commercial break to the second commercial break. And then on Friday, you got from the, the current commercial break to the ending. So basically, so you, you're getting one episode a week broken up into three blocks yeah. on Bozo. And it's a kind of weird thing because like Bozo is a show where it's a studio show. Yeah. And Bozo is a Chicago legend. He's a clown. And he has like a cast of wacky sidekick characters. He's got Cookie the Clown and he's got Wizzo. And live action, yeah. That's a live action thing. People would go to the studio and they would sit in and they would watch this show. It's kind of like an entertainment variety show. I was on it show. twice. Really? Yeah. Did you play the buckets? I was one number away. One oh, number wow. Away. So both times. Okay, now listen to this. You'll remember this. They so won't... you have to explain this. Yeah, they first. won't remember this because they might be too young or they might not be from Chicago or they might be from another country. I don't know. Do you know we have a big, like, we have a, a fan base in Malaysia for some reason? Hello, everyone from Malaysia that listens to us. We do? This is true. Denny told me on the metrics. It's absolutely true. I'm not making this up. There's like United States is like this big chunk. And then there's like Singapore, which is, you know, my friend John lives in Singapore. So I know who that is. But then like there's some people from Malaysia. I'm like, who are they? I don't know. Hi, Malaysia. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. I'm not fucking around either. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. It's we pretty weird, right? It. Pretty cool. So um, anyway, if you don't know, um, um, the this uh, <laughs> is really hard to explain. But um, they did a... Um, they did this thing called the Bozo Buckets where there were six buckets in a row and you threw a ping pong ball and each time, you know, the further away you got, you know, right. if you got bucket Keep in one. Mind, the buckets were lined up so that the first bucket was close to you. Then the next one was after that. Then the next one was behind that. So, and you had a ping pong ball and you had to throw it in each one of the buckets. And like and bucket got, one, you got like shitty prizes and then right. bucket two, you got, you, a got pri- you got a prize for getting the ping pong ball in each bucket. And it would be like this big production where it'd be like, let's see if Timmy can make it in the bucket number one. And yeah. then he... They'd have like a little drum roll. Yeah. And then if he made it in, they'd like they'd hit the cymbal yeah, and yeah, everyone yeah. cheer. And then uh, basically, so then the second bucket, which is behind the first bucket, is farther away from you. So there's six buckets and they get progressively harder. In fact, Bozo was so popular in the Chicagoland area, they sold a home version of Bozo buckets. That's right. Yeah. There was like a vinyl strip and you could snap the six buckets onto the vinyl strip. That's something. So, anyway, go on. Now, the first time I was on... They were still doing the um, – later on, they got that computer where they gave everybody tickets at the beginning. The, and then the they picked Bozo-tron? a random – Yeah, yeah. Well, the, Bozo, the Bozo pewter. Anywhere. The Bozo pewter. That's right. And they picked a random number, and if that number was on your ticket, you got to play. That was the second time I was on, and they were like one number away from me. And like I was like an introvert, nervous. You know, I didn't want to do it anyway. You know, right. so you I was like, bike? I'm like, no, I'm like crossing my fingers, like, don't pick me, don't pick me. I don't want to be. I wonder. If plus, they... by the second time, I was already like in seventh grade, so I was like a little, like almost little, too old to almost be on. Too old to be on it. Yeah. I was like excited, but at the same time, I'm like, I hope none of my friends see me as that kind of thing. 
Uh, so I hope they didn't pick me. The first time I was on, I was a lot younger. I was more in the age demographic. And they were still doing the two arrows on the screen. Oh, yeah. And then they would move the camera around real fast and stop the camera. So basically the way this worked was they would put the camera on the audience and they'd move the camera around. And there were these two arrows that would just flash on the screen. I don't know what the effect was to do it. And the camera would stop. And whoever the two arrows were pointing at were centered on. That person just happened the to be the one to go to up and play. And how many people got to play? Was it two people? Two, a yeah, boy and a girl. I'm just wondering if it was random with the with the moving camera and the arrows, how they managed to land it on a girl every time. Well, they, if they didn't, the like if they landed a, on an adult or a boy, they would go again. Oh, that's right. They'd be like, oh, we already have a boy. We already so. have a boy. Go again. That's or that's, right. a, that's a parent. Go again. You know. That's right. Um, so the second time I was on, one number away. The first, no, first time I was on, because it was the 70s, People had big hair, afros, okay? I was behind some this lady that had, like, big hair. So the camera landed on her hair but couldn't see me. So they kept going. But when we watched it back, when the episode actually aired, we looked it back. Like, we were si- I was sitting right behind. You can't tell when you're in the audience because, you know, the camera's just waving around. You don't know who it's on. When, when the episode was aired, I was sitting right behind that lady because her big hair, they couldn't see me. I would have been on, like, both Damn. times I was, like, this close to uh, – but the whole reason we're talking about this in the first place is because like in Chicago they didn't just put on Transformers as like a weekly show. They like split it up on the Right, exactly. Shows. Like really originally weird. you couldn't you'd come home from school and you'd watch G.I. Joe. Yeah. Like G.I. Joe was the daily show that you'd come on and watch. There were others. There were also like tons of Tom and Jerry. And but Wayne I remember G.I. Joe being aired on Bozo in the same manner as Transformers. Yeah, I don't remember G.I. Joe, but I'm taking your word for it. Yeah, I just yeah. don't remember. Well, you know what? They did it, but I also think G.I. Joe had its own time slot. Yeah, yeah. Now I do remember you could watch G.I. Joe on the Bozo show, but I didn't bother with that because I could just watch it after school. Okay. But Transformers. So you got three years on me, so you probably have a better memory of I this wouldn't too go that far. I, There's well, a lot of shit that I don't remember. No. But whenever the Bozo show would show Transformers, I didn't watch the whole Bozo show by the time it was on. Because by the time they were showing it, I was in my – I was a teenager. I was getting ready to go to high school. I was yeah. like, I'm not going to watch the Bozo show anymore. But I would always tune in for that Transformers block because, you know, by that point – I was into the nerd culture elements of that, so I wanted to see that, yeah. and so I remember Quit that. Quit lying. What? Quit lying. You watched the whole episode. I didn't. <laughs> I remember Fraser Thomas was the host at some at one Yeah, point. yeah. Well, he, uh, he, Fra- he eventually died, I remember. Right. He just well, what was What was the show that he hosted on Sundays? It was a WGN show where like- Family uh, Classics. Family Classics, yeah. yeah. Basically, it was just like a, a show where he, they'd show some famous, some classic movie. Yeah. And he would introduce the movie. He'd be sitting in a room with a bunch of books and stuff. It was like a really classy thing. It was kind of cool. Yeah. And then uh, like every time they would go to commercial, he'd be the one to like outro to commercial. And then in- and the commercials would end and it'd come back. Okay, and now let's get back to this movie. And but because now- this guy was like the host of the Bozo show, it was like a draw for kids. It was a way to get kids yeah, to right. watch the thing with their – like family classics. That's the whole yeah. point. Like watch him as the family and we'll get the kids to – Get interested in it by including the guy that's also on their clown show that they right. watch every morning. So, uh, Family Classics is actually, I actually miss that era in TV. Yeah. You know, like I, I miss that whole thing with the host segment. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessary anymore, but. Last one, I'm still doing it. They're doing anything like that uh, is Sven Gulli. Yeah. He's the only one still around. Well, I would say it's impressive that he's doing it. I wouldn't call it classy. 
It's no, fun to watch, but it's, it's not just silly. Classy. Yeah. It's classic, I guess, yeah. but not classic. But like, you know, I put Sven Gulli in the same category as like MST. Like, there just aren't shows like that anymore. I mean, they're bringing back MST now, but. But know. it's not going to be the same. Yeah. They're going to do as good of a job as they can, but it's not going to be the same production. And yeah. also, not a lot of the guys are involved in it, right? Um, well, I mean, Joel's there. I don't know who's going to be right, writing for it. Right, but they're not going to have Trace, right? I know, uh, well, no, it's not going to have any of the original actors, but I don't know if they're coming on as writers or not. I'd have to look again at that Kickstarter Yeah, thing. because I know, like, Mike and those guys are doing riff tracks now. Yeah. Another show I watch that I really like called uh, Rick and Morty. It's an animated show. The two guys that create Rick and Morty are going to be writers on the show. No, as that is, should be good. As is Pat Oswalt. So I Pat mean, Oswalt I, is awesome. Yeah. Pat Oswalt is the best friend to nerd culture. Yeah, I was He's super sad so cool. to hear about his wife. That sucks. What happened? His wife died. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. When did that happen? Um, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I'm so Fair, sorry. Fairly recently. Yeah. I know, I, was, he's not, I know he's not listening, but man, I feel bad for him. Yeah, that's it, you know, like you know, he didn't deserve that. But uh, you know, she was like, he's our age. She was our age. You know, just died in her sleep from something. You know, I don't know what it was. Here's one of my favorite comments anyone ever said about the prequel trilogy, where he's talking about like you know going back in time and stopping George Lucas from making them. It's <laughs> that's awesome. Really, yeah. He is look, awesome. Look for Patton Oswalt kills George Lucas. And plus, uh, yeah, look for that. That's funny. And also, he was in uh, Space Cop. With Rich Evans. Yep. <laughs> He's great. Hard to believe he was in Ratatouille. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so Transformers. Yeah. You'd get three eight-minute blocks. On the Bozo on Show. On the Bozo Show. In Chicago. I don't know how other places did it. They probably just showed it at 4.30 yeah. with G.I. Joe, but yeah. Yeah, because I remember at one point it was Transformers and G.I. Joe. They yeah. aired back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, like my interest in G.I. Joe was like passing. It's on after Transformers. I'll watch it. You know, I didn't really care about it as much, but I watched it. I knew like all the names of all the characters and stuff. We were more me and my circle at the time. Well, okay, you have to keep in mind here that like by the time GI Joe and Transformers are coming out, I mean I was well in the high. Like yeah. by the time the toys were coming, I was well in the high school, so mm-hmm. I was kind of like closet nerding it mm-hmm, at that mm-hmm. point. But I had a few friends that we still did stuff with, and we didn't play GI Joe. Like it wasn't like we're going to play GI Joe, and I'm going to be Snake Eyes, and I'm going to be Duke. Like you know, we're going to have adventures. Right. We didn't do that. We didn't play with the figures. What we did do, we did these really awesome fucking dioramas. Yeah, where we would like set up these giant battle scenes, and it, like. Our entire basement just sprawling with G.I. Joe figures in action poses as they're fighting. Yeah. And we always had Snake Eyes doing some really cool ninja shit right. to, like, five guys at once. And we always had Storm Shadow doing some cool ninja shit to five guys at once. And we would always position them so it looked like they were fighting towards each right. other. They're like, eventually they murdering were— Murdering everybody else, getting everybody else out of the way so they could— Exactly. Yeah. My favorite one was this one where I had Snake Eyes— uh, I can't remember who. It might have been Tomax and Samat. There were these figures that came with like a um, like a rope weapon. Okay. And Snake Eyes had co-opted the rope weapon, and he was like – he had wrapped it around Tomax and Samat, and he was pulling on it. Their ATV, yeah. that dune buggy yeah, thing yeah. they had, it was like doing a wheelie because he was pulling them back off of it. <laughs> like, awesome. And I had it slacked over his shoulder, and he was leaning forward. Like, Well, you, know, you only have to – Attack one of them because right. the other one feels the pain. Well, that's why I thought it was cool to have them both being attacked. That way they were both feeling the pain. Yeah. Now, I see, like, I know crap like that because it was on after Transformers, right. so I just kept watching it. Yeah, my friends and I were more G.I. Joe at the time, mostly because um, the figures were more pos- posable. You could do more stuff with them. We were doing dioramas, so yeah. it's like, you know, the, the Transformers figures, you can't really do much with them when they transform into the robot form. Like, there yeah. were a few that looked really good. 
uh, I thought I thought um, Soundwave looked pretty good, and yeah. I thought uh, Blaster looked really good. But yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, all the best ones are the ones that aren't made by them. The ones they co-opted from other companies, oh, yeah. like the Diaclones and the the, the, the Takara and the, like. Transformers is all borrowed figures from like other companies in Japan, so yeah. it's all uh, the Jetfire one, which was basically a, a VF1S. Val- a VF1S Valkyrie yeah. from from Macross. Yep. So, and, but but I think there must have been like some licensing issue there because you remember in the animated it was Jetfire, yeah, with a completely different. No, character no, he design. was he was called Skyfire in the cartoon. Skyfire in the cartoon, yeah. Jetfire in the toy. Is that yeah? It? Okay, yeah, that was it. Yeah. So, but then completely but different. But he character. looked completely different. Yeah, different character design. And Still I a big jet, but why he looked different? But had yeah. to be something with Robotech. They're probably like, no. Which, well, I'm guessing Harmony Gold probably was like, no, nah, you can't release that figure anymore. Yeah, because they own the rights. We own the rights. They, they're they're right here in the bottom of Carl Masick's closet. We're gonna find them. They're all buried. Well, Harmony, remember that there was that that was it a joke or was that true? He had like some. Like there was some closet at Carl Masick's house oh, that had well, like yeah, all no. the shit down on the. <laughs> no, that's no, that's true. That's true. That like Carl Masick, like years after, like he had all this Robotech memorabilia like in his closet. Like they found it like after his death too. But uh, Harmony Gold actually owns the rights to distribute any Macross, uh, Southern Cross, or Mospieta related merchandise, whether it carries the Robotech logo or not. They have the rights to distribute it in the United States. It's fucked up because, like, in Japan, it's Big West. Yeah. And Big West and Harmony Gold don't get along at all. We're not seeing any new Macross releases because Big West doesn't want to fucking deal with Harmony Gold. Yeah. Because they don't want to share their profits. That's too bad. But Harmony Gold is never going to let it go. But it just sucks because Harmony Gold isn't doing anything with it. You know, they released the Shadow Chronicles, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. This I was just about to say, whatever happened to, like, more Shadow Chronicles? They were Chronicles? supposed to do it, and they just never did. I'm guessing they just, the money's not, not money. there. Why don't they crowdfunded? I don't know. They should. I remember me and Travis went and saw uh, Shadow Chronicles. It was the night that me and Melissa moved back home to Joliet. We got everything in, and then me and Travis went to Chicago, and we went and saw Shadow Chronicles on the big screen. We wanted to bring Everett with us, and... Of course, he couldn't go because stuff. But uh, I remember Tommy Yune, who is like the he's the director of Robotech yeah. related stuff. He was there. It was a big Q and A session. Oh, neat! And um, somebody was recording the Q and A session, and they posted it live, so like I could hear all my own questions being answered and stuff. It was really neat. But does, does that still exist? It's out there somewhere, but yeah. I have no idea where it is. That'd be cool to like watch it and see yeah. you giving questions. Uh, it was just audio. But uh, I remember the uh, the thing that I brought up was how, like, Robotech was kind of the th- – it was this weird cross-generational thing because my mom watched it with me. And I mm-hmm. never did anything with my mom. <laughs> right. You know, she didn't, she didn't get my hobby. She was a – she's an immigrant from Greece with a fourth-grade education. Yeah. She came from a hard life. She didn't have time for, like, hobbies. She couldn't afford hobbies, mm-hmm. you know. She eloped with my father. And they weren't making enough money to even take care of both me and my sister. So they had to send my sister back to Greece for a few years, you know, when I was born because they couldn't afford to support both of us. And that's but you, they that's made crazy. it, you know, yeah. that's, that's, that's the human spirit. But uh, the point I'm trying to make is like, you know, so obviously my, my mother comes from a far different world than I do. She comes from a world where like back in 1979 when I went to Greece, when I went to my home village, there was one telephone in the entire village and it was at the tavern. That was at the edge of town. They showed TV in the morning from like 7 to 11. 
then it went off the air for three hours because the culture over there was such that it's a it's an agricultural culture. So like you go out and you work in the day. Yeah. Then when the sun is at its highest and everything's hot, you go inside and you rest because it's too hot to work. Then when the sun starts to go down again, you go outside and work till the sunlight's gone. Then you go out and you drink. Mm-hmm. Like you just go down to the corner tavern or you know. If you're a guy, you're working the fields, and then you go drink. And if you're a woman, you're taking care of the home. It's yeah. you know just the gender roles were just what they were. It's old European country, mm-hmm. you know. So that was my mom's life. She didn't understand anything, you know, like comic books and anime and that stuff. Yeah. So like for her, life was obligation and God. You know, obligation, duty, family, God. Like that was everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like she sits down, she starts watching Robot Chicken. But she's totally into the the Rick Minmay uh, Lisa Triangle. She's like completely into it, and she can't, she couldn't stand Minmay because she's like, you know, you're taking him away from the woman that really loves him. But my mom got that, yeah. So like it was really cool. I had a shared experience with my mother. You know, my mother was into something that I liked. It's very strange. Yeah. But so you obviously didn't get into the things that you were into by any influence of theirs. It was probably what people at school or yeah. Um, well, Star Wars is the beginning of everything. Yeah, um, I was into Batman and Spider Man as a child and Captain America and stuff like that. I mean, I read comic books. I read a lot of comic books. But even to this day, I can't say that I became like a true nerd about it until after Star Wars. Hmm. Like you know, Star Wars came out in 1977. I was seven. So I was reading comics when I was six, and I was following the continuity of Captain America, but I wasn't, like, asking questions about it. It was like, oh, this is just an adventure caps on. But then Star Wars comes out, and, like, instantly my seven-year-old mind is grasping that this is a very small part of a much larger galaxy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the the world that the characters are inhabiting is a much smaller – this is a specific series of events that is happening – you know, but there was clearly a time when people were free, and there was clearly a time when there was no empire. There was clearly a time when this was a good place to live, and mm-hmm. you know, I could tell all of that. And that was when, like, my my brain started firing. I want to know who is Greedo? Where did he come from? Right. <laughs> you know, where did this? Where did where did Darth Vader come from? Where? Why does Han Solo have a giant gorilla for a friend? You know, how do the spaceships work? Like, yeah. I started asking those questions after Star Wars because it was such a vividly presented world. I'd never experienced that before. Like, and it had to be some sort of visual media that would do that. It couldn't be comic books because comic books are so – back in the day, they were so densely packed with dialogue. I was absorbing the story, but I wasn't really looking at the world around the characters. Because it was so heavily expositionary, I was getting all the gist of the story. I did, there were no – there was no room for interpretation. There was no ambiguity in the storyline. I knew exactly where everyone was from. I didn't know right. exactly where everyone was from. And I, to be in truth, I like my comics that way. I prefer my superhero comics to be very straightforward. But with Star Wars, like that's when like all the nerd stuff started happening. It was like now I, now I needed to know more about the world that the characters inhabit. You know, yeah. I wanted to know – what was life like for Princess Leia growing up? Who were Luke's friends? You know, like that kind of stuff. Like Star Wars was the big catalyst for all of that. Yeah. Now for me, it was Transformers, I think. You know, I had like passing interest in like superhero stuff and nerd stuff. You know, I liked it. It was on. I was always watching cartoons. Like that was always like as soon as like Saturday morning cartoons was like, you know, whatever was on. And then like Soul Train would come on. And that would, like, be the buzzkill. Yeah, that would be, like, the end of the, okay, well, uh, okay. go find something else to do. Time to go find something else to do. Yeah, I would go pick up my stack of comics and start reading. I didn't want the Saturday morning done. Yeah. You know, 
But that's all you had, because like back then you had, you know, there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there was no, you, there was the local, it wasn't cable. Uh, two five seven nine, you know, ABC, NBC, CBS. There was no Fox. It was just syndicated. Oh, and channel. speaking of TV, to kind of correlate it to the Greek TV. So, like in the, you know, you'd after the break period, you'd come back and TV would be on again, and then at eleven o'clock, TV would go off the air. Yeah, that's how American TV was. If you remember, it yeah. was like you know, we'll now be going off the air, and then they'd play the, the Star Spangled Banner, and then yeah, and then white noise. Yeah. The first time I saw uh, overnight programming, it was that uh, thing on Channel 32, that Night Owl. Yeah, yeah. Where it was just like reporting weather and statistics and stuff. But I was fascinated that TV was still on. They're like, I watched it. Yeah. It's just nothing but like cheesy computer graphics automated all night long of like weather patterns and, you know, news and news and, um, Bullet, bulletin topics and bullet points and stuff like that. Yeah. It was just information that you were being given. It would air all night. I don't believe it did very well because nobody stayed up right. all night back then. You know. Well, yeah, that's the trick. It's like everybody was kind of on the same schedule. I mean, TV went off. You yes. go to bed. Yeah. Can you imagine it with the internet and YouTube and all these things? You young people, like, imagine a time like that where there was none of that. All you had was TV, and it shut off at 11 p.m., yeah. And there were only the you know this many channels. We sound like we're we're old people, but put yourself in that place for a second. And, you know, it's a crazy world to think about. Like just that short time. It's not that long ago. Well, it all changed when they figured out how to turn uh, media into a consumer culture. Yeah, you know, a movie back then. I mean, sure, certainly it's always been a business, but it felt more like an event. It felt more like a thing that you did with your family. Yeah, like it was I was saying, a special um, thing. Like I was saying in our last episode, we were talking about um, the Wizard of Oz. You remember how that was an event once a year? Mm-hmm. They would show that once a year mm-hmm. on some channel, and you would watch. You know, that was like a big family event. Everybody sat down and watched the now, Wizard of Oz. Now it's just kind of lost in the. Oh, it's lost in the shuffle. Almost. Lost in unless the people sea. pass it down. Lost in a sea of torrents. <laughs> Yeah. You just download and watch whenever you want. <laughs> Movie was big, big, big business for a long time, and now cinema is struggling to keep up with video games. Yeah. It's all consumer culture and how quickly the information. Even this podcast, it's like, hey, I want to listen to a podcast. Right. I can just download it and listen to it. Yeah. I don't need to wait for somebody else's programming to make it available to me. Yeah. Amazon, Kindle, for example, mm-hmm. books. I remember when I was growing up reading books, if I finished a book, on a Saturday night at 9 o'clock, and I wanted to go buy the next one in the series. If I didn't have that book on my shelf, I had to wait till t- the next day to go to the store and buy it. <laughs> right. Now, with fucking Kindle, like you finish a book, just log on, go buy the next book. Right away, instant gratification. Keep reading it, yeah. Yeah, wait until the next day for shit. Oh, my God. Forget it. Yep, completely different world. You'll never understand it, and you'll never appreciate what you have. That's why everybody's so twitchy now. Everybody's so on edge and twitchy and hey. Well, with with instant gratification comes inst- the ability to instantly respond, right? Yeah. So, anyway. So, uh, yeah, Transformers, something. That's where, yeah, that's where it all started for me. It was like uh, watching that show to kind of turn me into a nerd. Then the movie came out, and I got the movie soundtrack. Got the soundtrack on a cassette. And, I had it uh, too on a cassette. That's like the first time I started listening to music. You know, like the first music I listened to was uh, Transformers was the, the movie. Transformers I, the movie soundtrack and like Weird Al are like the first albums I had. My first musical exposure was well, my sister listened to a lot of music because my sister wasn't a nerd. She was like, you know, very much like the girl that had a lot of friends and hung out with people at school. She was a normal. I remember she like started listening to Rush 
And I know she was listening to Rush because there was a guy she was into that liked Rush. Okay. But I didn't know it at the time. At the time, I thought, oh, she's expanding her musical horizons. This is interesting. I mean, I was younger than her, but I thought it was kind of weird because she listened to a lot of, like, what would pass as top 40 at the time. Mm -hmm. Stuff like uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band's cover of um, The Locomotion. Okay. That was what was big at the time when she started. She got turned on to Rush. That was strange to me. I listened to it. I didn't like it, but because Rush is weird, especially if you're a kid and you don't know anything about music, I didn't like it. Isn't it kind of like Europe-y? Well, like is it? talking about the band Europe? Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm just like, don't they have like a Euro kind of – am I wrong? Um, Because I, I don't just, know anything about music. You have to under – you know, so I'm like – I know the band. I just don't know. Well, they did Tom Sawyer. Okay. I know that one. Yeah. So like a lot of their music sounded like that. Not all of it, but a lot of it did. I mean, they're okay. from Canada actually. Canada. Okay. They're, they were progressive rock for the time. So they were like a very – they were experimenting with things and trying out different things. And okay. um, it wasn't conventional music. But the first band that I listened to that I actually liked was Kiss. Okay. And it's no big surprise because I was really into the makeup and the presentation and the four characters. And I know that they had uh, appeared – they had originally appeared in, uh, as uh, side characters in an issue of Howard the Duck of all things. See, the original Howard the Duck is not like the Lucasfilm movie no, that, that movie, came out. Yeah. The original Howard the Duck was a satire of – it was a social commentary. It was a very biting indictment of society. Uh, I didn't get it as a kid, but I know I liked Howard the Duck. Yeah. There was a whole stretch of issues where he was stuck in an insane asylum, and he met Alice Cooper, and <laughs> he met Kiss, and it was this really psychedelic trip. But the thing is, those issues were making statements about things, yeah. and that's why the character continues to endure. I really don't know what role the character has. They keep bringing him back to do stuff, yeah. but I don't get it. I don't know why they bother, because... So you could cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I guess. Social commentary, just comic books aren't really the place for it, in my opinion. I like superhero comics to be, you know, characters getting an adventure. They fight a bunch of bad guys. There's a story arc. Sometimes it's two issues, three issues, six issues. And at the end, everything returns to the status quo. Or maybe people aren't friends anymore. But you know that that's a part of a larger story that down the road will get resolved. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, it was like uh, I didn't even get into uh, – it was you guys that got me into Star Wars. You know that? Really? Yeah, you didn't know that. I figured you liked it before then. Oh, yeah. I mean, I liked it. I liked it in the same way I liked, like, the first Superman movie. It's just one of those movies that you saw. Or, like, Indiana Jones. Like, all that stuff. Like, stuff I saw growing up. Like, those are cool things, but I didn't sit and watch them, oh, like, God, over and over Raiders and over. Like, is yeah, yeah. practically a perfect movie, in right. my opinion. So, it was, like, hanging out with Mark and hanging out with you and, like, you guys, like, uh, Indiana, you know, and, like, yeah, I have a passing familiarity with these things and you guys just being, like... What? <laughs> I remember. Uh, so then I went back and like rewatched everything and like, you know, started getting into them more and committing them to memory. And, you know, it was much later in life. I experienced a weird transition at work at the place where I worked for 16 years. People knew Star Wars. They just, everyone had seen it. Then yeah. I, I experienced a weird bit of culture shock the first time I met someone that had never seen it. Like, you've never seen Star Wars. Yeah. It's like one of those weird things. Like, everybody's seen Star Wars. Now you're running into it. Yeah, I saw, like, yeah, I saw, I was an old, uh, shit. I was, I would have been four when A New Hope came out, but I know Empire and Jedi. Well, even in retrospect, I could ask you, I could ask you later on in life, like, you've seen Star Wars. I would expect you to know it. 
Star Wars is such an ingrained part of our culture that it's like if you haven't seen it, I'm shocked. Now, again, you're seeing it more and more because the movies are so old and they the cachet they have is a very different type of cachet from what it was back then. But back then it was something everybody saw. Everybody knew it. Uh, the first time I ran into someone in the head and seen Star Wars, I, I I started really ragging on him pretty hard. I was like, have you ever had cotton candy? Have you ever been to the zoo? Like, you know, I really rode those people hard. <laughs> That's how I equated it. Like, yeah. how could you not have seen Star Wars? At least the first one. Yeah. But then I got all kinds of excuses. Like, well, my life was really hard growing up as a child. We didn't have movies. And I'm like, you're a grown-ass adult now. You have a kid. Make the time. I'm sure your kid likes Star Wars. You know, Everybody should see the first one at the very least. Yeah. yeah maybe that's just me. Maybe it's no. because I came from an it's environment true. where everyone's seen it. Everybody I know seen it. But then again, everybody I know listens to, like, video game soundtracks. So my – It's true. Know. My, See, that's uh, the kind of thing where if somebody – if I said, do you ever listen to a video game soundtrack? If somebody said, no, I would expect that. Right. But that's, when Star Wars, yeah, that's different. Yeah. Like, who were – communist. Fucking get off my planet. <laughs> exactly. If it's in Star Wars. You're not allowed back on Earth until you see this movie. <laughs> so uh, did you see uh, that movie that came out? Oh, uh, the one about um, – Captain – what's it called? Captain Planet and the – Civil War or something? I don't know. It was about um, Abraham Lincoln killing vampires, <laughs> I think. <laughs> vampires that wanted to own slaves. Actually, I think that is the plot of Abraham Lincoln, Vampi- Vampire yeah. Killer, which I never saw. Captain, told- Pla- Captain Planet, Vampire Hunter, codename D, something. I don't uh, know. Of course, we're talking about Captain America Civil War. <laughs> And I'm sorry here, but there's going to be spoiler spoiler. Content, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. We're yeah. There's no way seen... you can talk about this movie in depth without spoiling. That's it. That's true. So if you haven't seen it and you intend to see it, stop what... listening. You know what we'll do? We will um, we'll get together with uh, future Ray and Tom, and we'll ask them what time index you should skip to. Right. So uh, future Ray and Tom, where should they skip to? Greetings, past Ray and Tom. From the future, the time index everyone will want to skip to to avoid Civil War spoilers is 1 hour, 43 minutes, and 36 seconds. You've been warned. So, Civil War, yeah. I'm going to ask you first, what would you think of it? Uh, good. I uh, liked it a lot. Had a couple, like, there's a couple, like, weird things about it where I was like, well, that's weird. What were your but, um, uh, first of all? I feel, but overall, it's like uh, fun, fun movie. Not the greatest, you know. Not like the no. Movie I, people seen, are talking but... about it like it's the best Marvel movie, and I hate to break it to y'all, but it's not. Yeah, no, it, it was. Uh, I'm just like you know, I left and I was like, that's fun. I, I still might like Winter Soldier better. I, I do like Winter Soldier better, and and here's the reason why. Number one, it's a Captain America movie. This is Civil War is not a Captain America movie. It's an Avengers movie. It really should have been the second Avengers, Avengers movie. Avengers 3, yeah. But, well, yeah, given the way that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going, this would have been a very difficult film to make the second movie. But I'm talking about tonally, you know, the whole, the whole um, standard of like the second act being the darker act, you know, with like the uncertain fate for the characters and all that stuff. This movie felt like that movie. But you would have had to be setting this up well in advance of Avengers 2. Yeah. So you couldn't do that. Other things had to happen to bring this about. So, But I really would have preferred that they make this an Avengers movie. And It's the same thing as Winter Soldier. Captain America is on the run again. 
Well, and he's fighting authority. Yeah. And he's trying to save his friend. Yeah. Again. Well, okay. This uh, like the only wrinkle this time is that instead of Bucky being against him, he's with him. Yeah. But it's still about Bucky again, and it's about him being on the run again. I'm okay with it being about Bucky again because what it does is it creates three movies that are about yeah. Captain America and Bucky. Yeah. It's like Bucky is a central character in Captain America's life. Yeah. And Bucky's fallen on some hard times if you if you've seen The Winter Soldier and if you haven't you're a fucking luddite because it is in my opinion the best movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know a lot of people are going to say Guardians of the Galaxy, but what I'm talking about here isn't a movie that puts a smile on your face. Yeah. Not a movie that entertains you because Iron Man 3 has some funny moments, but that movie's a fucking festering pile of shit. What I'm talking about is a tightly crafted film with a specific goal in mind and how it re- goes from point A to point B. If any Marvel movie is perfect, it's The Winter Soldier. Yeah. It, it's so well uh, like, constructed. W- Winter Soldier, like first Iron Man, I think. A first uh, Iron Man is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of boring in parts, but it's, Guardians it's right. is up there too. Uh, See, I like I like, Gar- I like Guardians a lot, but you want me to put it over, uh, like what I believe is a cinematic masterpiece in the Winter Soldier? I can't do that. No, I wouldn't do that. No, no Guardians of the Galaxy it's is a fun, fun adventure. Yeah. A, a movie that's just a fun adventure that puts a smile on your face and makes you laugh. It's not a better film. It's not a better achievement or accomplishment as a film as Winter Soldier is. And if you're gonna like go along with that, one of my favorite movies um, in the Marvel cinema, Ant Man. Ant Man's really entertaining, and he's got a very interesting power set. But we're gonna get into that. Yeah, but um, uh, Winter Soldier still, I think, is is better. But that's even not if to it's say not, it was bad, no, even if Winter Soldier is not your personal favorite movie, what I'm saying here is. It is, in my opinion, unquestionably the best crafted Marvel movie yeah. out of all of them. You may like another movie more. You may play a favorite. There may be characters you like more. But none of the movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe are as well constructed, paced, filmed, or written as The Winter Soldier. Yeah. It is just the best, the quote-unquote, the best of the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You know, I would agree. I guess the other problem I had, now I'm not... Yeah, I want to know what your problems are with the movie. Uh, I'm not big on – well, there's one minor gripe. I'll, I'll do my minor gripe first, which is just like more of a silly thing. It's not really like a gripe. It didn't make the movie any worse in my opinion. But it's like it it had the opposite problem of Batman v Superman, where Batman v Superman, there were no establishing shots. We didn't know where we were. We were just thrown into a scene. Civil War has the opposite problem, where they put this giant block of text like "bang," this is where we are. They, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Where the tech every, every time they switch to a new location, yeah. establishing shot, and then the name of the location in letters that filled up the entire screen and blocked the shot. And like every time the letters come on, I'm like in the theater with Sarah, Sarah doing like the uh, the mystery science theater reaction. Ah! <laughs> I couldn't cite one of the locations that popped up on the screen. Just big giant text. Ah! <laughs> like every single time. It's like, it's almost like, uh, uh, what is it? The Russo brothers like saw Batman v Superman. Were like, let's make sure that people know where we are. It's this giant block. Of, it was like, it was, it wasn't a gripe. It's just something I thought was silly. Like every time I came, like, why is that text so big? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, the other thing was, I don't know the comic. It doesn't matter. Just of, talk about it from the experience of you as a moviegoer. Fuck the comic books. I don't, don't talk about the comics. Well, I, it doesn't matter how accurate or close it is to the comics. I have to preface what I'm about to say with this because 
I only know like what you've told me about the Civil War comic. And what I know from what you told me is that Spider-Man was like an integral part of that particular story. You needed to have Spider-Man for that to work. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? That's uh... what you told me. Like Civil War, the comic, Spider-Man was like an important piece of it because of reasons yeah, that's he, what I remember you he, telling me. He he was an important part of it. Okay, that... so stop right there. Now, it seems to me that okay, they're like okay, so Spider Man's important. We need to have Spider Man. He was pointless. Yeah. I I liked seeing him, but he was complete. They're like you could have thrown out that character. You could have thrown out Tony Stark going to meet him. You could have thrown all of that out of the movie. It would have been the exact same movie. Yeah, it would have been the exact why same movie. Why was Spider-Man in this movie? I'm going to tell you why he was in the movie. Because they had the opportunity to put him in there. Because they worked out a deal with Sony. And now Then Mar- give him his own movie. Marvel, well, Marvel. Why shoe- he was, it was a fucking shoehorn. Why shoehorn him into this movie I, when you could give him his own origin movie and then put him into later well, movies? They don't want to do any more Spider-Man origin movies, and I think that's a good idea. They shouldn't. They don't shouldn't. have to. No. You can do a standalone that's not an origin. No, but I, I, he, it's like for the, I don't care about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and an opportunity. I'm talking about this movie from a story standpoint. The character was pointless. I'm not defending it. I'm just explaining it. They had the opportunity to do it, and it's hype. And Sony was probably like, okay, we're going to do this, but we want Like, what does this have to do with Captain America and Bucky? Like, Tony Stark going to Spider-Man's house and having that cool scene, funny scene. I like the scene. Had nothing to do with the movie. Had nothing to do with anything. I I agree with you. Um, That was my only gripe. I was like... Spider-Man, why is he here? It's cool to see him. That, that funny scene with Tony Stark has nothing to do with Captain America and Bucky. Why, that's the reason why he, it's Marvel basically having their coming out party for being able to work with the character again. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. There is no reason for Spidey to be in this movie. He doesn't alter the flow of the film in right. any way. Really, if you would have taken out Spider-Man and you would have taken out one of the characters. If you would have taken out Spider-Man and you would have taken out Hawkeye. Well, because Hawkeye and Ant-Man have to have their iconic scene. Well, here's the thing. Hawkeye and Ant-Man make more sense. They're already established characters, so we're going to use them in our universe because it's a connected universe. I could argue Ant-Man doesn't really matter. And you don't need any setup. You don't need any setup for them. He has his own movie. Hawkeye was in two Avengers movies. You already know who they are. Okay, so Hawkeye makes sense for me to have a stake in this conflict. Ant-Man doesn't make sense to me. It's like they add in. It's like, oh, by the way, Captain America, I'm a really big fan of yours. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm fighting on your side because I fought the Falcon in the Ant-Man movie. I know who he is. I know, I know who, who he you is. Are. I know who you are. And I want to I fight for you. I believe in your cause. Yeah. It's fine. Whatever. But it's kind of weak motivation for the character to be involved in the fight. But he's a, he's a new Marvel Cinematic character. I understand that Disney wants to establish him and get people into him. I love him. I love the Ant-Man movie. This may shock some people. Ant-Man was my favorite thing about the superhero battle. Yeah. He was my favorite thing. People are like, not Spider-Man? And I'm like, okay. Spider-Man is... Tom Holland did a great job. The writing was really good for Spider-Man. The power set was awesome. It was very entertaining to watch him. I love the scene where him and Cap have their exchange. I'll get into that in a second. I love when him and Bucky are talking. And like Spider they did a great job yeah, with Spidey. Totally. He was really entertaining to watch. Finally, I think they've actually finally got Spider-Man down. Yeah. And Kevin Feige has a lot to do with that. Yeah. But 
Ant-Man was the X factor. He was the character that every time he did something during that fight, it was a game changer. Right. When he's like, you know, take this and throw it at this. Right. Like, and he throws the truck. He uses the pin particles to shrink the truck and then enlarge it and it blows up. Yeah. Like, I thought it was a water truck. And then later, you know, when he, when he, uh, when he gets fired by Hawkeye, him being fired at the end of Hawkeye's arrows is something that they do in the comic or they did in the comics a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it was cool to see that. But then like him getting inside Tony Stark's armor and fucking with it. And then it's like, oh, this is your conscience talking and stuff like that. The way that he's trash talking Tony, it's like, this is awesome because this is what Tony does to people. Right. So it's cool to see somebody do it to Tony. I'm not holding a big secret from everyone when I say that I think that I think that Iron Man's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Like a lot of people think he's like, oh, he's funny. He's the snarky character. He's the smart guy in the room. Yeah. I think he's kind of a jerk off. Yeah. I don't like the character that always has the last word. You know, like I'm a deeds, not words kind of guy. That's why I like Captain America. Captain America. He won't always be able to out-talk someone. Mm. The Red Skull might say something dastardly to him, and he'll be like, well, I don't care about that skull. You're a bad guy, and I'm taking you down. It's like his conviction is what drives his dialogue, which is why I like him. But mm. like Iron Man has to be the guy that's like, you know, I can't let anyone get the better of me in an insult fight. Yeah. So it was really nice to see Ant-Man put him in his fucking place. Right. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. That said, I like Robert Downey Jr.'s portrayal of the character, and I liked Iron Man's role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I'm not a big Iron Man fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of the character. I just think he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Ant-Man was the game changer. Then when he turned into Giant-Man, complete shock. I was not expecting yeah, him to go either. that route, and I was so happy. I knew it was going to happen, like, eventually. I knew you'd see it, but I didn't expect it, like, right now. But I was so happy they did it. I expected you'd see it in, like, the next Ant-Man movie, not right now in Civil yeah. War. I was just like, whoa, cool. It was cool. So everything Ant-Man did in the movie was a complete surprise. He has an interesting power set. And was you know what of, I... Just as funny as Spider-Man. Yeah. Just as amusing. And that's because Paul Rudd is a great comic. But everything... What I, what I mean to say is that all of that made sense and Hawkeye made sense. But Spider-Man, like, they had to craft this whole setup scene of Tony Stark going to meet him and stuff, and it didn't belong in the well, movie. Spider-Man's inclusion in the movie is my biggest issue with the film as well. But from a different... We shouldn't... Before we talk about this, we should say that Black Panther was fantastic in the yeah. movie as well. Oh, yeah. He was great. I liked him a lot. Yeah, I, I, like, I, like, I think Chadwick Boseman has a long career with this character. Like he's got a long life. If the Black Panther movie is half as good as what they did with him in this movie, I'm all, I'm yeah, all aboard. It's really I'm cool. All, he I was, liked him a lot. He was great. I like the fact that he was dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that he was driven. But I also He's like able the, to scratch Cap's shield yeah, because but, of the... But I also like the fact that Cap kicked him, Cap kicked him in the face and knocked him away. Because, you know, I'm a Captain America mark. I'm a Captain America fan. So I like when Cap always does the cool shit yeah. in the movie. So, like, even though, like, Black Panther was extremely dangerous. And I that was the big question I had is, man, what's going to happen when Cap squares off against Black Panther? And I think it's important to establish Black Panther as a dangerous person. So I'm okay with Black Panther getting the upper hand in the earlier exchange the characters had, like knocking him back against the truck or whatever. I'm okay with that because if Black Panther shows up, and he's just like a pushover. Who fucking cares? <laughs> right. They've got to. What's the point? They've got to establish him to, as, a, as a legit badass that can go toe to toe with some of these characters. Yeah, who's going to look forward to his movie if he's right. a slouch? You know, right? But like, I do like the fact that at the end of the day, Captain America was able to fucking kick him in the head and knock him away. Of course, he's wearing that vibranium suit. Probably doesn't hurt him that much, but you know, 
I mean, Cap got his licks in. Cap got his licks in yeah. and just kind of brushed him off and left him to other people. Yeah. But um, but Black Panther, fantastic in the movie. Yeah, he was totally um, cool. Had no problem with him. Uh, I think all the characters were very well handled in the film. Yeah, I but, loved I loved that Spider Man was in it as much as I'm railing on like well, its no, inclusion in the movie. Here's the reason why. Here's the reason why I'm forgiving it, but while at the same time I acknowledge that it's not a very good inclusion, is because it was so entertaining to watch. Yeah, it had life. It had spirit. It had spark. It was humorous. It was exciting. It wasn't like Batman v Superman, where it's like it. Civil War made a mistake including him in the movie, but it was so much fun to watch. And that the spirit just, yeah. of it is so. It the, the heart of it is in the right place. Yeah. So I'm willing to overlook it. I'm willing to say, you know what? I'm buying this on Blu-ray. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it every yeah. time oh, I see it. Oh no! Don't don't get me wrong. It didn't do anything to we, diminish my enjoyment of the movie. I would just like from a story standpoint. We're talking about the crafting of the film as a cinematic experience, as as, as a work of art. This is one of the reasons why I say the Winter Soldier is, is better. better than this movie yeah. because it doesn't have these superfluous tighter story. Obviously, commercially driven inclusion elements. Yeah, yeah. I also have a criticism of the whole concept of Tony Stark asking Spider-Man to join his side. Mm. I understand that in Civil War, he lobbies for Spider-Man to join his side. I have a real big problem with Robert Downey Jr. inviting a child to take part in a fight. The Avengers. In, the, in, in his side of the battle. This is a complex political issue, and people could get killed. And he's taking this kid away from his home where and he's... And his aunt. And he's, and he's obviously a, like a budding engineer, scientist, right. something. And he's putting him in danger. Yeah. Now, you know, by the same token, Tony Stark could be... If you're going to go down that line of train, that train of thought, Tony Stark could be the guy that's like, stop being Spider-Man because you have too many other things going on. But he didn't do that. Yeah. But I, I have a... Big... But there was the, you know, the bit at the end where they kind of smoothed it. Because I think they also kind of got the same idea that you had and the, so they smoothed it over they're like okay well we'll make up for this by having tony be like okay this is the part of the battle where it's going to get dangerous you stay here right so that he doesn't seem like a total dick that he puts kids right. in danger. but i mean if he's if he's going to be like that why bring him with him in the first place right. he knew that could possibly happen yeah. like everybody else in there is an adult yeah they're making grown-up decisions or they're androids or they're the kings of countries like you know they're they're adults who are making decisions but Peter Parker is a kid from Queens who is just trying to get good grades in school. Yeah. He's not mentally or emotionally equipped to deal with this grand issue. He's dressing up in a fucking two-bit costume and stopping crime, right. and he's going to school. He's not ready to deal with this, and yet Robert Downey Jr. is like, hey, I need you to fight with me against the greatest hero this country has ever known. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I don't buy it. Now does, I talked uh, to, yeah, I mean, I does, talked to uh, my nephew about it, and he was like, oh, I don't have a big problem with it. I'm like, no, I have a big fucking problem with it. Tony Stark shouldn't be doing that. He shouldn't be recruiting Well, Peter Parker doesn't even understand war. what's going on. He's only got one, you know, he's going to believe what Tony Stark tells fact, him because Tony, he's a kid. Tony kind of bribed him. Yeah. You bribed a child, Tony. Congratulations. One more reason I can't fucking stand you, and I'd kick you in the balls myself if you were here. You know, you bribed the child by you giving him a, your foot. a cool, well, Tony, not Iron Man. Oh, okay. Wait, he is Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man 3, that wiped my ass with that movie. Yeah, anyway, was, yeah. um, but like, I, that's, that's my big problem. Now, granted, I'm not going to blog about it, you know, and I'm going to overlook that because, again, I loved seeing Spider-Man 
there after how many years of life on this planet i finally got a version of spider-man that is the comic book version and peter parker not miles morales thank you for making it peter it needs to be peter peter is the only spider-man general movie going audiences care about i don't care about miles morales that's some comic book bullshit nobody cares about that they want to see peter parker Spider-Man is inarguably Marvel's most popular character. No one else can touch Spider-Man for pop culture appeal on the Marvel side. Only Batman can come close to Spider-Man in terms of like not only characters people know, but characters people like. You got Spider-Man and Batman and then everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I finally got a version of Spider-Man. That's the version I grew up reading. And it's Peter Parker. I'm so thankful for that, that they didn't decide to do some fucking stupid bullshit and make it Miles Morales. They can bring Miles in later if they want to. But in the comic book, Spider-Man is an established character. He's been Spider-Man a very long time. He's not a high school student anymore. He's been through college. He's a scientist. I don't know if he had a career at that point or if he was still taking pictures for the Daily Bugle just to kind of like make ends meet or whatever the case may be. I don't know what he was doing in his personal life. But he was a guy that had been around for most of the major events of the Marvel Universe. He was a matured hero. So Tony Stark actively recruiting him made sense. I, I don't know how many other kids Tony Stark recruited for Civil War, knowing that it could become a lethal conflict. I don't know. The only thing I'll say is in the comic book, it makes sense for him to recruit Spider-Man. They both wanted to recruit Spidey. And well, the comic book, Spider-Man starts out on Iron Man's side, but as the struggle goes on, he starts to disagree with Iron Man, and he goes with Cap. At the end of it, he's fighting alongside Captain Yeah, America. I mean, this version of Spider-Man, like you said, 16-year-old kid who is only told one side of the story. He's, you know, Tony Stark. He's not involved enough with the inner workings of the politics of it to, to know make sides what's going for himself. On. Yeah. But Tony decides to go and bribe him. But with Tony Stark, we've suit. seen over and over. He's the kind of guy who all you have to do is show him one of his mistakes, and he, you know, he right at the beginning of this movie, he meets that lady who tells him about the sun and. That sets him on the path, you know, of like, oh, we got to, you know, which in is, Avengers, when he went up into space and saw what he saw, he's like, well, now I have to build Ultron. You know, he's the kind of guy who keeps being shown where he needs to go in his life. So I think that although he recruits Spider-Man and we agree it's kind of a dick move, I think seeing Rhodey get injured the way he did, I think is going to make him in the future that could be something that comes up like he'll rethink that you know what what he did before i don't want iron man to become like another captain america there's only one cap and i like that cap's qualities make him unique i don't want everyone to be like cap it's why i like cap so much Mm -hmm. because he's uniquely noble and heroic i do get a little irritated at tony being shown his mistakes and then he just overcompensates. Well, yeah, like, that's, that's the that's trick. A, so Every that's single a, time he's shown a mistake, he's like, okay, and then something way too grandiose yeah, to make it, up it's, for it. It's kind of funny too because like Captain America is a guy that's been through a war. Yeah. He's seen World War II. He's seen people have to make tough decisions. Like he's experienced true suffering. Sure, Tony's lost his parents and now you find out his parents were murdered. He knew his parents were murdered. Actually, his parents being murdered was established in the Winter Soldier. Yep. But the point is, Cap has lived a different life. Yeah. He's lived a more Well, he even than... admits to him, like, you know, when they're talking, oh, you never lost a soldier, right? And he's like, we're not soldiers. You know, he's like actually like mad. Like, we're, you know, like he openly admits that, yeah, I haven't seen what you've seen. We're yeah. not those people. 
we're not like you, you know? Right, well, and that's why Cap's the leader. Right. Because he's the one that can make the best decisions. Mm -hmm. He's not going to be reactionary. And see, the reason why is because, and this is actually some pretty good writing, Tony's a fixer. Mm. He's he's an inventor and he's a fixer. There's a problem, he fixes some, he makes something to fix the problem. (laughs) That's Tony's whole life. Yeah. So... It really, it shows like a very emotionally vulnerable character. Still, after all this time, he's emotionally vulnerable. He's making half-cocked decisions yeah. based on how he feels, which is strange for a scientist to do. But yeah. that's Tony. That's his way. He's, he, his emotions drive him. His impulses drive him. And that's why he's the great inventor and innovator that he is. But that said, there's a reason why you chose Cap to be the leader. <laughs> it's because you know he's going to make the best decisions. Like in the movie, I feel that they tried to show – Cap is fallible as well, but I don't think they did a very good job of showing Cap is fallible. You yeah. could argue, well, he didn't tell Iron Man about his parents being murdered. Well, maybe because he knows Tony is just a reactionary idiot. Who's going he- to build a robot army. Yeah, if I last time anything happened, you know, every time something happens, you do something that fucks everything up. Right. So we're just not going to tell you shit right. anymore. And when Cap- I was totally behind, like when he's like, you knew, and Cap's like, yeah. I knew I, I totally got like, it. Yeah, I was like, like, yeah, makes I sense. I didn't know it was Bucky, but I knew they'd been murdered. Yeah. You know, like I wasn't protecting Bucky before this. Now I finally learned just like you that Bucky did it. But then that becomes like the more interesting conflict. It's like Cap's like, yeah, he did it, but it wasn't him. It wasn't him. He wasn't can't, in control of it. Sark's just like, I don't care. At that point, Tony becomes Tony, not the bad guy, but he becomes an antagonist in the movie. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm gonna say this right now. I love that Cap won the fight. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Cap deserved to win the fight. At the end of the day, Cap was right. Yeah. You know, he was right about Bucky. He was right about what was going on with the whole Civil War thing. He was the patient one that's like, we can't go changing things because there's a much larger picture here. Yeah. Uh, a raw, they made some good arguments. Well, what would you do if you found a if you found that you'd misplaced a 30-ton nuke, a 30-megaton nuke? Well, the Hulk isn't a 30-megaton nuke. He he can get angry, but we've been able to work with him in the past. Mm -hmm. He's not a nuke. And you know that Cap wanted to say that, but the point is why Cap's not the kind of guy that's going to argue. Like, that could be a whole argument that could take 20 minutes on its own. Mm. We don't want to watch that. (laughs) Like, them going back and forth, exchanging points. Like, Cap's like, okay, that's how you feel. That's not how I feel. Yeah. You know? Well, my uh, my wife, too, said, uh, she's like, oh, another... um Another lame bad guy in a Marvel movie. I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like that Baron Zemo guy. He wasn't even a Baron like, in this. I'm like, well, like I don't like, I don't really feel like he was the bad guy. He was just like a catalyst for the events that took place in the movie. I don't well, even he feel was like. Manip- I think the bad guy was Tony Stark in this movie. Well, Tony. By I the think, end, I think. T- well, at the end, but the thing is, the conflict was a little. Difference. It's tough. That's what I like about the movie. It's tough. Like, I don't know. Like, is Stark the bad guy? Is the Accords a bad idea? It's like, it gives you a lot to mull over and think about. That's the, the cool factor of the movie. Is like, not only is there this cool, like, battle with the Avengers, but I said the same thing with Batman v Superman. It takes more than that to make a movie. More than flashy visuals. And this movie gives you that. I had thoughts to ponder when I got done watching it. I'm like, who, well, you know, what would you do? What would, well, whose side are you on? And what, you know, it's like, there's a lot going on to, to see, and mull this over. Is, this it's, is, it's not black and white, man. See, this is the reason why I think Cap is right. Because at the end of the day, like he has seen what totalitarian regimes can do. Yeah. He has seen what reactionary policies can do. Yes, mistakes get made. You could say, well, Cap, you know, you've been through wars and you've seen hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people get killed. So, like, you know, your perspective is a little different, but maybe it doesn't fit the modern era. And 
Steve's argument is like, well, it didn't fit the modern era back then either. Like that would be his argument. Wars were fought in different ways back then, but the motivations are the same motivations. It's all political. Mm-hmm. It's all about land grabs. It's all about ideologies. Then that hasn't changed. Right. If anything, it's gotten more dangerous because we now live in a society where it's much easier to control people mm. than it ever has been. Strangely, by giving them more freedom than they've ever had right. to gorge themselves on information. Yeah. You know, but if you give them the right type, it's the big shell thing. You just start giving people information and information and information and they don't know what's good information and what's bad information and they just start reacting to everything. Once you find out what people are reacting to, you just give them more of that and you find as many different ways as possible to give them that without while pulling the wool over their eyes and not letting them realize, oh, we're getting the same message just from many different Many different avenues in many different ways. It's easy to create sheep Mm -hmm. in this society. So, like, Steve has seen what totalitarian regimes do. You know, it's always the best of intentions at the start, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the Nazis, their whole argument was that, like, the Jews have got all the best jobs. If we subjugate them, it'll be better for Germany. And at first, it wasn't like they just fucking grabbed them right away and put them in concentration camps day one. No, they just forbade them from owning businesses and holding great positions. They were still allowed to be citizens. They had to wear those stars. Mm -hmm. It was a gradual process that took time. And even at the very end, a lot of German people didn't even know what was happening. (laughs) They had no idea what the Nazis were doing to the Jews. In any society, people that were once your neighbors and people that were once your friends and people whose children play with your children – if you were to suddenly fucking make them outcasts and criminals, there'd be revolt. Not mm-hmm. everyone would agree with it. Even the SS couldn't control that much. So you have to kind of gradually do it. So you establish systems of control, and at the start, they sound like great ideas. Oh, we're going to regulate the superheroes now and tell them where they can and can't go. That way people will be safe. And I've never agreed with the argument that, you know, the reason why there are supervillains is because we're here. Mm-hmm. If we weren't doing our thing as superheroes, supervillains would still be existing and they would just be running amok. You're right. Collateral damage is just a part of a superhero world. And this is kind of one. I don't of know the- that that was an opinion. It was more of just a statistic that uh, the vision gave out well since yeah, we've all started. True. That's true. I, I guess I'll have to take that back. But it, it, the Batman in The Dark Knight Returns, the comic book I'm saying, mm-hmm. and also in, in, in The Dark Knight, the movie, they argue that, you know, well, the reason why this is all happening is because we're doing our thing. So now they want to come out of the woodwork and they'll do their thing. Why would a guy with superpowers want to come out of the woodwork and do their thing? Mm-hmm. And I know the argument can be like, oh, well, they had these powers, but they were never using them out in the open. Now that they're heroes, now they want to use them out in the well, open. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, if you think about, like, if you suddenly had they'd superpowers, still... you'd hide. You know, you yeah. wouldn't go out and show. Yeah. This would put a target on your back. Right. But they'd still be using their powers. Yeah. You know, then that by that argument, you could say, well, us coming out in costume makes them come out in costume. Yeah. Makes them easier to spot now, doesn't it? Right. You know, like, so if the motivation is that they're pushing the envelope, we're bringing them out of the shadows. Whereas before, they'd be using their power secretly and they'd be much harder to detect now, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that argument, again, but I don't want to watch a movie where people argue these types of semantics. And Cap understands that. I'd rather listen to a podcast where people right. argue these. <laughs> the greatest podcast in the world. Right. That, there's no argument there. No, no. But uh, that that cap is the kind of guy that like, okay, I, I understand your point. I disagree with you, but I'm not going to sit here and waste hours of our lives talking about it. Yeah. I'm just going to do what I. I'm just going to do what I need to do to protect my friend. And yeah. So like, Cap's perspective is clearly a more a more mature and informed perspective. We go, oh yeah, you're a man out of time. Well, time changes, but ideals don't change. Right. 
even seeing the and it's not just because I'm a Captain America mark, but even seeing the argument, I don't I don't buy the other side of it that you know these people need to be regulated, these people need to be controlled. Yeah, of course. Um, now it's different from the comic, right? In that the comic was superheroes, the movie is just for the Avengers. Am I correct? As far as I know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there are no superheroes other than the Avengers, yeah, right? So. I mean, like, I, I is there is there a character that they've made a movie for other than Ant Man that? And the Guardians, obviously, who are often some other part of space. Yeah. Is there a so? Movie? But I specifically remember hearing them say, "This is for the Avengers." It doesn't like right. We haven't seen anybody else really. Well, but... pretty much every superpowered character except for Thor and the Hulk that is on Earth yeah. is a part of this movie. Yeah. Is it just for superheroes and so? I I'd be interested to know the long-reaching effect of this accord. Like as more people start to come out, as Doctor Strange appears and Black Panther appears, more of these guys appear. Are like, does it? It applies to you too. Well, Black Panther is the king of another country, so whether yeah, or not he doesn't he give a shit. Yeah, he's, whether or not he chooses to o- obey and observe it, and is, it wasn't unmasking actually, either. He already proved. He already proved that he doesn't care. Yeah. Because like he tried to kill, he tried to assassinate Bucky several times for the death of his father. Yeah. You know, and it's like I I don't really care about your rules. You know, he's a king. He shouldn't care. He's gonna do. Yeah. He's gonna do what he believes he needs to do. Yeah. I'm fine with that. But yeah, I don't. In the comic books, it was all superheroes. And it was unmasking, right? Like they oh, all yes. had to Actually, Spider-Man unmasked yeah. after he joined Iron Man. Like they had to become public figures. But what ended up happening was um. Aunt May ended up getting killed as a result of it. I think it was Aunt May. So like And Captain America, right? Well, yeah, but I'm talking about why Spider-Man ended up having a secret identity again. Okay. He basically and I'm I'm generalizing the storyline. It's called One More Day. It's one of the most controversial Spider-Man storylines of all time. He's like, man, if I'd never revealed my secret identity, none of this would have ever happened. And he makes a deal with the devil. He makes a deal with Mephisto. Okay. And Mephisto's like, okay, fine. We'll undo all of that. So the rest of the world goes on, but we're going to make everyone forget that you were ever Peter Parker. But then, like, he's like, there's something I want from you. Mary Jane also whispers something to Mephisto. Like, she adds something to the pot. I don't think that there's anything Spider-Man could offer that would undo the damage. Like, mm. I don't think there's anything in his character. Like, it's not in his character to offer something that would undo the damage in exchange. But she offers something. And when it's all reset for Spidey, him and Mary Jane are no longer married. <laughs> and they believe that they implied that she was either pregnant or they had a baby and oh, that baby has gone or something. That's like the trade-off. So That's Mephisto's rough. like, you know, yeah, okay, but I get something that I want. I get, I get to cause you pain. Very controversial storyline because, of course, nobody wants to see Spider-Man make a deal with the devil to save Aunt May. Right. But again, I'm broadly generalizing it. There's a lot. You only want to do context. stuff like that if you're like Captain in Starfleet. Should right. you go making making changes like that, yeah. and then not have to pay for the and then you just become an admiral, right? Two great people talked about that recently. Yeah, there was a thing, uh, something recently. I, yeah. I Janeway sucks. To. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should Google that. But anyway. Hashtag. Hashtag Janeway sucks. Right. Yeah. It exa- it's a real hashtag. And it's, I agree with it 100%. True. Um, I tattooed it on my dick. <laughs> wow. That's devotion. It was man. worth it. Yeah, yeah. I just remember sitting in Civil War and thinking. Oh, there oh would... before, wait, before you go on. Yes, Captain America does die in the comics, but. Somebody has a plan. 
it's kind of complicated, but it's the Red Skull's plan all along to kill him. Okay. Originally, the plan in the Captain America comic was to quote unquote kill the character and bring him back at a later point anyway. That was part of the whole overarching story. But then the Civil War thing happened and they got all the writers together and like, let's work it into the framework of Civil War. Okay. The whole time the, the death plot was – it wasn't really the result of what – of the events of Civil War. It wasn't because some angry person hired Crossbones to kill him because at the end it was Sharon Carter, Agent 13, that killed him. She was brainwashed and she didn't know it. But in fact, she hadn't killed him. She had simply shot him with like a time soul bullet that sent his soul spiraling through time. And That's it's way a, too comic it's, it's It's great for the comic books in the sense that, you know, we finally got Steve back. But the point is that they kind of worked it in that he was vulnerable because he was in handcuffs as he was being led to the Capitol Hill and stuff like that. And the character was going to get killed whether or not Civil War happened. Mm-hmm. They just found a way to work it into the into the framework of the whole storyline. Yeah. I just remember sitting, watching the movie and going, you know, in Batman v Superman, there would never be a scene where the hero kisses the girl and then two other dudes are in the back of a Volkswagen Beetle, like, yeah, nodding their heads. Nice, <laughs> nice job. Good going. There would never be a scene like that. In Batman v Superman, as dark as this was for a Marvel movie, yeah. it had so many light moments. It had tension-breaking moments, and they were all well within character. Because think about this. You've got Bucky, who the only Steve Rogers he's ever known has been the scrawny guy who couldn't pick up chicks. Mm-hmm. And you've got the Falcon, who knows Steve Rogers in his current form, but also understands he's a bit of a man out of time. He's just trying... He's still acclimating to the modern world, and dating is like not something that he's thinking about. And he has a very old-fashioned view of relationships. Right. And I think what's cool about it is like that scene where he just takes Sharon and kisses her. And that's like an old-fashioned movie thing. It's an old-fashioned social thing. Yeah. So it kept just going for it. It's like it's not the way people generally do things right now when you're trying to get with someone you legitimately care about. Yeah. It might be something people do when they're picking up chicks or chicks picking up guys or whatever, like a makeout thing, you know, mm. like a a Tinder thing or something, like hooking up. When people are hooking up, they might do that, but Steve doesn't hook up. Right. You know. <laughs> So, like, that's a very old-fashioned thing to do. So, like, for Sam and Bucky, who know Steve to be a certain way, to have the courage to, quote-unquote, go for it, you know, that's why they're doing that. I, lo- I-, I love it. I yeah, but, it the, I mean, there, you It's know, a very good tension-breaking moment. But also just, you know, Falcon and Bucky sitting in this car, and Bucky's like, can you move your seat up? No. <laughs> just like... Perfect. Yeah, it is really. I good. like stuff like that. It's a real moment between two real people, you know, and just like you never get that. And it needed it too. The movie needs stuff like that. Or you're like going, uh, you're going this dark. The other thing is, uh, they're traveling all over the world. There's all these different locations, and Ant Man being in the back of a van, like all jet lagged from like like he's mm-hmm. in another country now. He's like he's like, whoa, what time is it? Where am I? <laughs> Thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> I know you know a lot know a lot of super people, so thanks yeah, for thinking I, of I thought Paul Rudd was great in the movie. I th- well, I he was great in Ant-Man. I personally feel he stole every scene he was in in the movie. The, if this movie doesn't endear Ant-Man to people, I don't know what's going to. Yeah. Because like he is the coolest thing about every scene he's in. Yeah. It exceeded my expectations. Spidey I knew was going to be cool. Yeah. But see, I am very familiar with Spider-Man's power set. People aren't familiar with Ant-Man's power set. So to me, he exceeds his expectations. Spider-Man just meets them. He's a yeah. lot of fun to watch. He's a very dynamic character. Some could say You've been... um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Ant-Man is astonishing. Yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. Nice. Some old comic book references. Hope people get. But Iron Man is not quite invincible. No, because Cap kicks his fucking ass, and I loved it. <laughs> but I even loved the end. Well, the of movie's it. called Captain America, so you can't really like. Yeah, Iron Man wins. The scene where where he's like, "I could do this all day." That's a throwback to the from, first from movie. the first movie when it's he's like, fighting them dudes well, in the alley. Iron Man's bullying him at that point. Yeah. And you know, you could argue, oh well, he cheated because he got help from the Winter Soldier and stuff. Yeah, well, Iron Man cheated because his suit repaired itself. <laughs> yeah. You know, if his suit he's had... wearing the suit. I thought the scene where Cap, it was like the Iron Man's point of view, and Cap was just fucking hammering on him. Yeah. That was a great scene, and even like his computer. I don't know the name of the computer in this movie. Friday. Friday's like you can't beat him in a hand-to-hand right. contest. <laughs> like the movie acknowledged that if it just came down to, to throwing fists. Nobody can match blows with Cap. Like, at the end of the day, he's going Once to find Once he's disabled a way to... the suit, he's done. Yeah, exactly. Like, nobody can match blows with Steve. I don't even believe he Black can, Panther could beat him in a fight. He like, can, uh, well, we saw, we saw, he holding a helicopter. Yeah. Like, Bucky's taking That's off a great helicopter. Scene. That's one of those great because scenes it's like, in superhero movies. It's like, wow. What makes the scene so great is the emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to lose his friend, you yep. know? So, it's like, I... I'm a man, but I'm going to stop this helicopter from taking off somehow right. because I don't want to lose my friend. Well, in the movies, he's clearly a little bit stronger than a normal person. He throws a motorcycle in the Avengers. Of course, it, it, like he uses its momentum, but he throws it pretty hard. Yeah. In this movie, he kicks a truck and it slides like four feet or whatever. Like yeah. He's clearly... A little superhuman. He's clearly a little superhuman, and that's fine with me. But in the comic books, originally, he was peak human strength, like being able to bench press 800 pounds, which is really awesome for a person. They've upped Dante a little bit. I mean, he's not Spider-Man strong. And Spider-Man isn't even the strongest character physically in the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man probably has the most versatile power set. Unless you're going cosmic, like people that can like think things and they have. Well, I mean, what what would that be like, Thor or Hulk? Like physically strong? Oh, physically the Hulk would be the strongest. But, ironically enough, not at starting strength. Hmm. At starting strength, there are other characters that are stronger. But as the, he gets madder, he gets stronger. Right. But Thor actually starts out stronger than him. And actually, I, I've never liked the idea that the Hulk can beat Thor in a fight. Because hmm. Thor just has too many powers. And the Hulk is a brute. Hmm. But Thor is a warrior like he knows how to fight and he knows how to use his powers which is something i can't stand about this version of thor in these movies is they just make him this like blonde brute with mm-hmm. a hammer yeah. and he like shoots lightning once in a while it's like dude you're the god of thunder you're, you're like asgard's greatest warrior you maybe you like to drink and party and stuff like that but you shouldn't be an idiot right he's uh chris pine captain kirk thor is a very resilient and intelligent character in the comic book he's no dummy yeah. Well, in fact, I think one of the like his shtick in the comic is that he talks in such a manner that people don't always understand what he's saying because he's mm. using so many big words and, and that isn't. Well, that a it's, thing? he speaks in a very antiquated uh, speech pattern. Mm. So, like, he uses a lot of uh, these and thous and nays and right. yays and stuff like that. <laughs> he, you know, he sounds like he's speaking Shakespearean English. Yeah, yeah. Not as much anymore, but back when the character actually made his mark. He was the guy that talked like that. Yeah. So it was just more of a speech. He phases in and out of it in the Marvel movies, yeah. though. Yeah. Like, more when Joss Whedon 
writes his lines does he sound more like do i look to be in a gaming mood that you yeah know? well that's i think because joss has a grasp on the classic versions of the characters and what makes them work mm-hmm. his run on astonishing x-men is like my favorite run on that comic ever because or he, the uh the uh, loki has that line you mewling quim it's like oh my god <laughs> see i'm not a big fan of joss whedon's i think sometimes his political and social ideologies get in the way of his ability to tell a story some would argue that those are the reasons why he's the storyteller he is Mm. but a lot of that's backfired on him hence his retreat from social media Mm. i also think that sometimes that could be a big impediment to him uh but i will say that i think he understands marvel characters i'm not going to say age of ultron is a great movie i think it's an okay movie i don't think it has anything to do with the characters i think Age of Ultron's weaknesses are more because of its story. Mm. It's not because of the portrayals of the characters. Yeah, I think Winter, uh, not Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War, I think it was better than Ultron. No, I I totally think it was better than Age of Ultron. Um, I think it's two movies in one movie. Mm. You know, I think it has a little bit of that problem that Batman v Superman has where it's like they're just combining too many different ideas. I almost get the sense that the Russo brothers just wanted to continue the Winter Soldier storyline. And Marvel was like, well, we have Spider-Man now, so we should make it Civil War. Yeah. And I like that thematically it's Civil War, but it's not page for page ape of the comic. Like I'm, I'm glad that hey, big spoil. I'm glad nobody dies in this. Yeah. I don't like them killing superhero characters. They did that. Yeah, I know. thought they killed Rhodey. I was like, oh my god, that's yeah. crazy. Well, I mean, he's paralyzed. You know, I don't know if those legs mean that he's going to need those mechanical magic legs. I don't know if he's going to need those magic. That's legs what I was going to say. Like paralyzing him doesn't really matter when you're Tony Stark's best friend. Yeah, he can just fix something. Just... Are those going to be his legs now, or is he going to eventually regain his own ability? to Because it's not going to like, and especially I don't when, know. He, when he's in the Iron Patriot suit, it's not going to. The war machine is it, it is oh Iron Patriot. I think was what he wore in Iron Man three. Oh, was it? No, no, Iron Man two. Right? Was it Iron Man two? Or three? That was no, three. it was three. Yeah, because he yeah. had it was the red, white, and blue, right? Yeah, yeah. It was Iron Patriot. So now Iron he's back Man. to War Machine. Yeah, War Machine is what yeah. he is now. So. so when he's in the War Machine armor, it's not going to matter that he's paralyzed. I'm sure. Right. And then when but he's I walking mean, around, he was obviously having trouble learning to walk around. But you're glad that he's still around, and they show that scene where there's the gratuitous cameo. And he's like, are you Tony Stank? Yeah. Yes, this is Tony Stank right here. There's like that great moment between the two buddies. And I was like, it's... And, and that needs to be there again because it's such a depressing scene. Yeah. And so like you got a little bit of levity to it. Yeah. He's like, Don Cheadle's like, I'm not going to let that one go. Yeah, I'm never letting that go. And like you could see Tony's like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So, but Tony just takes it, you know, he just takes it. Because what are you going to do? You're going to fucking talk shit to Stanley. He wouldn't be around. He wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for I only made some of the most influential comics in history. No big deal. I'm nobody. Yeah, overall, I would say I liked it. I liked how it ended. It sort of ended the same way that Civil War did in some respects. Well, it's weird because... The Winter Soldier, you mean? No, no. I'm talking Civil War, the comic book. Oh. Well, in in Civil War starts with Cap going underground. Okay. Like, you know, after the initial argument occurs and he he turns out he's a criminal, like he's a fugitive, he goes underground at the start. And this one, it ends with him going underground. Mm. And I love that, like, Tony's like, you don't deserve that shield. My father made that shield for you. Steve just doesn't even think twice. My friendship with Bucky and the things I fought for are way more important than this. I don't need this to do my job. Right. I'll leave it. But I get the impression that what's going to happen is Tony's not going to tell anyone he's got the shield. And he's going to wait for them to all get together again. They're going to patch up their differences. And Tony's going to be like, I've been holding on to this for you. Mm -hmm. You were right. They'll probably both say, I'm sorry. 
And at the end of the movie, he's like, you know, look, I know we had our differences, but if you ever need me, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, and he, he writes him a letter. He writes him a letter because like, he's from 1940. Right. He FedExes him a letter <laughs> that that uh, that, that uh, Stanley delivers. That might have been the only way he could get it to him secure. Yeah, that's true. That's the clue that for the next Avengers movie or for Infinity War or whatever the next time is the characters are together on the screen, he'll be like, here. Do you think that any of of these people, when this all started, do you think any of them had any idea that they'd be making this many movies and this much, you know, this has never been done before? I honestly believe Robert Downey Jr. did know. And And the reason I know is because after that first movie, he negotiated his contract to get fucking mad money mm-hmm. i believe he gets like 40 million a film now Jeez. like 40 million for his performance in this movie <laughs> that's crazy yeah he he made himself an indispensable part of this movie franchise because he knew that if they wanted to use tony iron man tony stark if they want to robert downey jr's movie they were going to a have to pay him because he knew they were making big money and b he knew they were making the money mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe Robert Downey Jr. was completely aware. I believe Kevin Feige wanted it to be that way. Obviously, that was the plan. But um, I think RDJ might have been the only one. Well, now all these other people have come on, and now they're all signing on to do stuff too. So yeah. I, I'm very intrigued by Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Doctor Strange. I'm really interested. To yeah, see the only him. thing I don't like is that he's doing an American accent. I think he's at his best when he's – Speaking in his native tongue. Maybe it's just because they want to stick to the original version. Oh, of I'm the sure that's it, it, it. Makes sense for the movie. It's fine. It, that's fine. It doesn't. Well, bother. you just want to hear his voice. I just like you hear him in the trailer, and like doesn't even sound like him. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I'm used to hearing him at you know in Sherlock you know, when he's right speaking. Yeah, you'll just it'll be an adjustment period for yeah. you. But um, great show, by the way. That's in my top ten also. Yeah, I know. I got to watch. This it's real easy to take watch. in too because uh, the there's only. Nine episodes, three seasons, nine episodes, three episodes per season. The episodes are an hour and a half long each. That's British TV, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it that they don't overburden you with too many. And episodes. they just like take breaks. Like they don't like they're not obligated to do a show every year. Mm-hmm. They're just like if we need time off to like do shit. Doctor Who did that twice. They took a complete year off and then like went into season five, and well, then they I took mean, another year off and did you know it's like they just take it's, you. It's Sherlock's like, been off the air for two years. You it's know? not like BBC doesn't have a lot of things in the pipe. Yeah, you know they got a lot of stuff that they're doing. So as long as they can keep their viewers coming, and I think that's actually healthier. They're not relying on one property to yeah. carry them. They're like doing a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. To appeal to if the show's good enough, you can take a two-year break, and people well, will still. Be the looking thing is, especially if you're showing other quality programming, even if you don't bring other Doctor Who fans, even if you don't keep the Doctor Who fans, as long as you're bringing a commensurate number of people to watch your watch your station in the time between, it's okay. Yeah. The relying too heavily on one product is dangerous. Yeah. HBO does the same thing. Game of Thrones is clearly their, their heavy hitter. That's that's their number three batter. But that's not the only quality show that they have, nor is it the only quality show they currently produce. So like while Game of Thrones isn't on, they've got other things to sustain that momentum. It's yeah. the way it needs and what the way it needs to be. And one of the reasons they can do that is because they don't commit to twenty two episode seasons. Yeah. They do short seasons. They have a bunch of different things in the pipe, and they expose their audience to many different types of entertainment. So it's a constant cycle of of material. You know, I said it a while back that Game of Thrones might have done well to do what Doctor Who and Sherlock did, and like wait 
until he's got the books finished, you know, let it go off this year. But the fan base is so rabid that, you know, the purchase show might not survive. I think that HBO is making more money off of this than they ever have off of anything else before. And I think they've kind of fallen into the trap of the yearly thing. Mm -hmm. I also think that as the actors get older, it becomes more difficult to retain them. The child actors are already getting older, and they keep, they keep the same actors. Yeah. They look drastically different now. They, they've all yeah. grown up. Like Puberty has hit some of the characters, and they don't even look the same. I'm glad they're keeping the same actors because actually when I say they don't look the same, they look very different, but I still see the traces of yeah. what I remember from the early seasons, and yeah. I prefer that. Lost ran into that problem with Walt, you know, who was like the special kid. The kid hit a growth spurt, and yeah, like yeah. he didn't look anything like that anymore. So the they coral. were like, "We're <laughs> exactly." But see, The Walking Dead is doing it in a way where it's like, you know, we know he's getting bigger, and we don't fucking care. Yeah, the audience will accept it. We're just going to go with it, mm-hmm. and I think that's the smart way to go about it. Just use the same actors; the audience will go with it. Did you know that um, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, despite their gigantic movie careers, without the executive producer or anything else, without any input from anybody else, the two of them went to BBC and commissioned season four of Sherlock. Really? Yeah. They're like, we just want you to know that we still want to continue making the show. I'm sure by now you probably think we're both into our Hollywood movie careers and that's what we want to do. And while that's true, we still want to make the show. So they went to the BBC executives and told them like without any input from the exec or anything they're just like we we want a season four we're gonna make time for it we just want you to know it's coming and they're like all right (laughs) that's really cool that kind of dedication is actually pretty heartening to see robert Downey jr is the same way with iron man like he's really involved with everything that they do with tony stark i think that's cool because it shows he's nerding about his own character that makes it it, that comes out on screen you can see it it could be a little dangerous if the guy gets a really big head about stuff I don't think his ego has really affected the Marvel Cinematic Universe that much. Yeah. I believe he has an ego, but I don't yeah. think it's <laughs> I don't really think it's affected the MCU yeah. that much at all. No. In fact it's helped it yeah. in this case. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Civil War. It's fun. It's good. Yeah. Good. I Not get... the best, but good. Definitely better than some other superhero movies that have come out this year. Yep. For sure. Thematically similar, heroes fighting heroes, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but uh, not at all shitty. And it just had those moments, like we talked about, those moments of levity where, like, oh, humor, real people. A guy traveled to another country and got jet lagged. Two guys are in a car and they're uncomfortable because it's a small car. I would have much preferred scenes of Captain America struggling with his identity and whether or not he should still be a hero. Am I the right guy for these times? He should float in space and think about it. No, and that's the thing. Like, Cap's like, you know what? I know that I'm a man out of time. I know I have antiquated values. I know I don't like when people swear, like that kind of stuff. But you know what? I still believe in something. Despite the obstacles, he still does what he believes is right. And what he believes is right is almost always right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that, that's great. It's great to see the heroes are not cowards. They, they want to be heroes, whereas in D.C. it's like, oh, I quit being Batman. You know, I guess my parents dying wasn't that big of a deal. And, yeah. you know, I, I could have put this down at any time. I can quit at any time I want. <laughs> of course, it could have something to do with like Robin getting killed by Joker or some stupid bullshit. But yeah. like that would be all the more reason why Batman should continue to be I, uh, Batman. Jared Leto, the best Joker, you know. Oh, right. He's the best Joker. Because you know why? You know why he's the best Joker? Because he's a method actor. Because he, like, sends dead rats to uh, Will Smith on set, you know? 
That makes him a better Joker. Ooh. Better than Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's a method actor. Better than Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. who probably turned in one of the most memorable on-screen no, performances. He's better. You know why? Because he's got damaged tattooed on his forehead. Mm. I don't want to pass judgment on Joker until I see the movie. I will right now. Uh, I, already, I, I just did. I know, but I don't want to do that until I see the whole movie. <laughs> I, I don't I, care. Dude, I'm so, I so don't care about that movie at all. Zack Snyder ruined it for everyone now. Yeah, well, now you know they've got Ben Affleck as an executive producer of that entire cinematic yep. line. Yep. Uh, and apparently the idea now will be Zack Snyder still doing the Justice League movie part one. Yeah. But it'll probably be Ben Affleck over his shoulder the whole time telling him when he's being an idiot. Because <laughs> Affleck's won Academy Awards for filmmaking. So. Yeah. A couple times. Yeah. The young Affleck and the old Affleck both won them. Not excited in any way. I, saw I the, was. They showed un- the trailer in front of um, Civil War, and I was like, eh. I was excited un- until I saw Batman v Superman. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is the direction of this universe. Apparently, they had to go in and do a bunch of reshoots for Suicide Squad because they wanted to add more humor to it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. A tone shift. Yeah. Make it more like Marvel. I don't think you understand that, quote, unquote, making it more like Marvel is not going to solve all of your fucking problems. No. I didn't want to see a retired Batman that comes out of retirement. <laughs> I don't want to see fucking Superman that like the only the only retired Batman I want to see is a Batman Beyond movie, yeah, a live or, action Batman Beyond movie or that I want they, to see. Or if but just... I don't want to see it right now. You know why? Because it's going to be part of this universe, and I don't want to <laughs> wait ten years for all the reboots okay. to start happening, then make a Batman the, Beyond movie. The only other thing that I would like for them to do in that respect is wait ten years, let Affleck get a little older, get a little grayer, and adapt The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, just adapt that into That'd a cool. movie. Yeah. You can even do three movies about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Batman Beyond movie. I would. Oh man, be so on board with that if they if it was done the right way. But you got to wait. Just wait. Why don't they just <laughs> Why don't they just give it to Kevin Feige? Yeah, oh, man. Let him make why it. Why not? Just do it. I know it's not a Marvel movie, but fuck it. You got to do it. Who else can write it? You write it. You write it. <laughs> you won an Academy Award for writing, motherfucker. Or one of us won an Academy just, Award. When Terry McGinnis first runs into him. You know, he's being chased by that gang, the Jokers, mm. quote. Right. It's, they're like a big deal. They're like terrorizing parts of Gotham, you know, and they're, they're, Terry's on the run. They're going to kick his ass, and he's scared, you know. And uh, he runs into old Bruce, you know. He's 80 by this point. Old man wandering around his yard with his cane. He's just like, get off my property. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they all get off their motors like, who do you think you're talking to, old man? We're the Jokers. Sure you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good stuff. Make a movie about that. Remember that Zorro movie with um, Anthony Hopkins and, um, Antonio and Antonio Banderas? When I saw that movie, I was like, this could be. It's like Zorro Beyond. It's the old Zorro teaching this young guy how to be Zorro. Yeah. I'm like, this is totally Batman Beyond. I could see Anthony Hopkins as an old Bruce Wayne and, you know. I liked the first Zorro movie. I didn't like the second one, though. I didn't even see it. Yeah, it I didn't good. think I knew there was Fuck one. Second one. I don't even care enough. I just didn't like it. But I liked the first one. The first yeah. one was entertaining. All the Suicide Squad cast had to, you know, there was like a therapist on set because it was so, like, you know, mentally disturbing. Shut the fuck up. Stop hyping this movie in the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. So dumb. Oh, there's a therapist on set and Jared Leto's sending, uh, Dead rats to the I, cast members. Here's the thing. Get the, shut the fuck I up. I respect that they're trying to do something different and distinct from Marvel. I don't want DC movies to be like Marvel movies, but I don't know what it's going to take. What I do know is what they did with the two Zack Snyder movies is clearly not the answer. 
I don't know what the solution is. I know that this isn't it. What do you think about Wonder Woman? Uh, Different I, director, at least. Well, I That's like... That's a step in the right direction. I like the fact that it's a period piece. I like the fact that yeah. it takes place during World War One. That's neat. Um, I don't know how I feel about the fact that she walks away from the world at the end of it. Again, I don't... Well, that's argue- the mythology, how it starts out. It's not her, though. It's the Amazonians in general, right? Well, she, They walk away from man yeah, for like a period of time. Maybe she just honors that. See, you have to understand, like, I don't like when superheroes stop being superheroes. And you could say, well, Cap stops being Cap at the end of the Civil War, but he's still going to be doing good. He's not well, going to stop. Well, not only that. He's, he's not going to stop fighting. He just, he's got to be in I'm hiding. not in the Avengers right now. He's, he's a fugitive now. Yeah. You know, because he still has to answer for for crimes to the American government. What they what they interpret what as they crimes. interpret as he was a secret agent. He was doing fucking covert shit with Shield well before in, in the beginning of Winter Soldier. So he can just keep doing that. Right. He can keep being the guy. He doesn't have to be Captain America, but he will be again. Yeah. You know, it's inevitable. But I mean, fuck, uh, Black Panther can make a shield for him. Yeah. Make him just as good a one as he had before, mm-hmm. if not better. I don't know if the shield is made out of vibranium. It probably is. But I know in the, in the comic book is an advantium vibranium alloy, mm. making it indestructible and able to Well, absorb I think he mentions impact. that in, in the first Captain America. I thought they just said it was vibranium, though. Yeah, Tony Stark. Yeah, uh, Howard Stark, Howard Stark says, m- oh, it's the hardest sort of substance known. Yeah. But so it's just a vibranium shield. But, in, but the now. T'Challa could make him a new shield that's even better. Actually, the the comic book version is that Captain America's round shield is a gift from Wakanda. Oh. And in fact, in the comic book, his old shield, his original, like the kite shield that he had, he gave that to them as a memento, and they gave him... A new round one. The the round one that's adamantium vibranium alloy. Hmm. It's even better than vibranium. So uh, uh, they could just do that. Like the shield they give him could be better than the one. They Howard probably aren't allowed with. to use adamantium. No, they are owned by. Fox. With, that's my hope is that with the, I'm hoping that the Spider-Man thing will just open the doors yeah. for everything. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Marvel be able to do things with the X-Men. Yeah, integrate those characters, bring them all together. Not the Brian Singer X-Men. I I like the Brian Singer X-Men, but as their own thing. I don't want to see them integrated into the larger Marvel universe. You don't want to, you don't want to see a, a Marvel movie with, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch! Yeah, well, that's not Brian Singer, though. <laughs> that's just, I'm generalizing. That's I, Brett Ratner, right? Brett Ratner, yeah. yeah. Actually, the first X-Men movie, if you took that iteration of the characters and integrated them in the larger Marvel universe, I'd be fine with that. You know what happens to a frog when he gets struck by a lightning? Same thing as everything else. <laughs> um... Do you know the story behind that? Yeah, Joss Whedon wrote Joss the line. Joss Whedon wrote the line, but like it wasn't meant to be read like serious. Mm-hmm. And like she read it like serious, and he's like, yeah, it's not supposed but to be that way. My real hope is that now that the Fantastic Four movie has failed, Marvel will get that back. <laughs> yeah. Because the Fantastic Four is one of my favorite supergroups of all time. Yeah. And they have a great rogues gallery. Mm. They've got Annihilus, they've got Galactus. Mm hmm. I could go on and on, you know, they've got Psycho Man. I, I could go on and on. Diablo, the Skrulls are originally Fantastic Four enemies. Mm-hmm. There's so much they could do with Fantastic Four. I mean, I really hope they get it back and I hope they do it right. I mm-hmm. hope they just get it back and they do it right and they just cast traditional actors to play the roles as we in the comics, as we saw them. Right. They've done it for Spider-Man. They've done it for everybody. 
they can do it for the Fantastic Four. Marvel can make if they Marvel can make Ant Man work, they can make the Fantastic Four work. Yeah, which is why I'm not worried at all about. If they can make a raccoon with a machine gun work. Yes. Good point. Good fucking point. (laughs) I have no reason to doubt that the Doctor Strange movie will be a great movie. Yeah. So far, Marvel has not. Well, it has uh, not only Benedict Cumberbatch, one of my favorite actors, but one of my other favorite actors, that uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor, who was the villain in Serenity, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite movies ever. He's in one of my favorite movies ever, too. He's in Children of Men. Oh, yeah. It's a really serious movie, but. Uh, he, he's great. He's, he's great. Pre- he's great in everything. Yeah, he's so. good, man. I like him a lot. He would have been a good Black Panther too. Yeah. The guy that they got is fine. Cheddar well, you Boseman's know, he was awesome. in the running to uh, to be Doctor Who before Peter Capaldi. Oh, he'd have became... been a great Doctor. Yeah, Who. that's what I kept saying because like they have like every time Doctor Who changes doctors, there is a betting pool that appears online, and they have all the top people that are in this pool. And Peter Capaldi was in there, but so was Chewie Chewie for. And I was like, oh my god. That'd be great, man. That would be cool. I have my fingers crossed. But then when it was Capaldi, I was like, all right, you know, we'll see. And then he was it's freaking awesome. My second favorite after David Tennant. Really? Capaldi, huh? Yeah. I'm a new Whovian, so, like, I, I, you know, I know Tom Baker. So. Oh, I'm just surprised because he's, he's so recent. That's all. Is yeah. he still Doctor Who? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're take, they took a year off. Like I was saying, that's what they do sometimes. So they, they're taking this year off. Season 10 coming next year so the show started in 2005 they should be on season 12 but they're not they're on season 10 because they've two, taken some time a two year a year off here and a year off. right before uh david Tennant left they took a year off and he was deciding whether he was going to stay on the show or not and ultimately he left anyway but they took that year off so he could decide and he decided to leave now they're changing uh, executive producers. Oh, so, so Moffat's not going to be? Moffat's taken off. Yeah, so uh, he's announced that this is going to be his last season. So they're taking a year off to probably get things ready for that. So I think it's time. It's time for Moffat to go. As good as he is, he's got enough on his plate. It's time for a fresh take. Uh, I didn't care for the Matt Smith years. It has nothing to do with Matt Smith. He was an awesome doctor. I wasn't a big fan of the stories. Those okay. are kind of tough seasons to get through. A lot of the story got really lofty and to a point where it got convoluted. A, an attempt to one-up itself. It kept trying to make itself bigger and bigger, and it ultimately became so convoluted. It was hard to even follow what was happening. It just it became tough. And then Capaldi's first season was almost like an apology for everything that came before. It was like, we're sorry. Here's Doctor Who the way you like it. This is what I've heard Captain America Civil War described as an apology for Avengers Age of Ultron. I don't interpret <laughs> I don't interpret Ultra wasn't bad. No, it wasn't a bad movie. It was just the first movie all over again. Yeah. With Hulk fighting Iron Man. Yeah. Which should have been a cooler scene than it actually was. You didn't like that? Okay. I thought it was great. It's all right. Yeah. My favorite scene in the movie is when Cap's fighting Ultron on the train on the truck. Yeah, that's cool. The reason why it's cool is not because of the choreography, but it's because Cap is taking on once again, he's doing something that is way over his well, it's great. I mean, they even give them a little uh, nod from Hawkeye. You know, matcher of Cap. Yeah, thanks, Clint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's like a, Ultron is a, is a character that can take on the whole group. Yeah. You know, he can't, even if he's a better fighter than Ultron, he can't damage him. Yeah, but how could you be underwhelmed by the scene with uh, uh, Iron Man fighting Hulk? I'm surprised <laughs> about that. It's all right. I mean, yeah. it's okay. I mean, it was, it when was, he's got that freaking pile driver punching arm go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep go to sleep punching him over and over yeah. and then like the knocks the tooth out i'm sorry <laughs> like it throws him. 
<laughs> I thought it was fun. See, I've always thought the perfect Avengers movie would be the Avengers teaming up to take on the Hulk. Mm. Like, I've always thought that's what the first movie should have been. And part of it was, but then the movie kind of twisted into a different narrative. Mm. Like, I like the fact that the Hulk is sort of this nebulous figure in Marvel where, like, sometimes he's a good guy, sometimes he's a bad guy. You never really know. It's going to be what the story needs him to be. But I understand that Marvel wants to market the Hulk. Yeah. So they can't make him a bad guy. <laughs> You know, what about the him and Black Widow? What do you think about that? I don't. Yeah. I think it's stupid. <laughs> it felt to me like we need to give these characters something to do other mm. than be Black Widow and Hulk. Okay. So let's have them be in a relationship. Yeah. It's, it's dumb. Yeah. No, I didn't get that sense from it. I just got like a sense of like, oh, this is weird. I, I think if they wanted to do that, they should make a Black Widow movie. Yeah. With banners in it. Yeah, yeah. Or they should make a Hulk movie and Scarlett Johansson's in it like they did with Captain America the Winter Soldier. Black Widow was a central character in that movie. Yeah. Let's just do that. You know, if well, they, they said re- Phase 4. They're thinking like one of the first things is a Black Widow movie. So She deserves it. Yeah, about time. Yeah, it's fine. Where's She's... the Hawkeye movie? What's that? Where's the Hawkeye movie? I don't know that he'll ever be anything after uh, supporting after the uh After that Bourne movie, they're probably like, eww. Oh. And now like... Uh... <laughs> He's not... Jeremy Renner's not a bad actor. So they had the trailer for the new Bourne movie. When we watched Civil War, me, yeah. and my, me and my wife were making jokes like, uh, you know, since the last one, since the Jeremy Winter one didn't do so, do so well, here we are. <laughs> well, we're back to Matt Damon now. And that's not his fault, though. People don't want to see a Bourne movie that Matt Damon's not in. Right. That's all it is. Yeah. No, no, I I, don't, I wouldn't disparage Jeremy Renner. He's fine. But, you know, I saw that movie, too, the one, the Bourne movie with him. And it's not. I heard it was pretty good. Well, it's not a complete movie. It's like everything else that comes out now. It's like. It's like Force Awakens. It's half a movie. Where's the rest of the story? You know? So, and there's like, is there now never going to be a second part? We're back to Matt Damon now. So maybe there'll be never be a second part. Not that I stay awake at night wondering what's going to happen at the end of the Jeremy Renner movie, you know, but it's like it has, it's a kind of sort of a cliffhanger ending. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, is there going to be a second part? I don't know. But just one yeah, of those cliffhanger things. Cliffhanger endings are never a good idea unless you know that you're going to, you never do a cliffhanger in the first one. Yeah. You do a cliffhanger in the second one. You know, that's why I say, that's why I continue to say that Scott Pilgrim is a good movie because say what you will about the Scott Pilgrim movie, that there should have been like more than one movie. At least it's a complete fucking movie. Yeah, they had to chop out tons of shit out of that comic book, but with such a niche movie like that, what are the chances you're going to get another one? What are the chances that you're going to get a second one? We have to do this in one movie. We probably aren't going to get another chance to do this. I, I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I've heard a lot of people rail on it. Though. Oh, there's all this shit from the comic missing. Well, so what? You have to. So what? You have to, you know. It's I mean, you know. Under me. the circumstances. Hey, you know me. I'm a book reader. I'm a comic reader. You know me. I'm a purist when it comes to this shit. Do I like Game of Thrones? Yes. Do I wish that it was more like the books? Fucking absolutely. But am I going to hate what's there just because it's not like the books? Yeah. Well, it depends. Is it a good production? Do I still think they're doing a good job? You know, stop comparing it to the books. Stop comparing it to the source material. Like, enjoy it on its own merits if you can. If it's bad on its own merits, that's fine. Batman v Superman is bad on its own merits. In fact, the only thing that makes it interesting is the source material. I heard the books better. Let me read the novel. Yeah, read the novel of Batman v Superman. <laughs> the Del Rey book. Jesus Christ. It's like taking small bites out of a turd one after the other until it's all gone. Page by page. I no chip thanks. away at this turd. You know, the Scott Pilgrim movie, could it have been closer? Eh, it doesn't matter. Does it really matter? 
This is Edgar Wright going fucking nuts. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I still I still wish that he would have been the director for Ant-Man. Ant-Man was good, but it makes you wonder. You can see the Edgar Wright influences because he was heavily involved with the script. Mm-hmm. I just started playing Assassin's Creed 4 again just because I was feeling in a piratey mood. But I hadn't played it on the PS4. The weather effects are more dynamic. The environment interacts more with like lighting and weather and stuff like that. Like trees and bushes and plants and stuff are more reactive to wind and rain and stuff like that. But yeah. it, uh, other than that, it's pretty much the same experience. But I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying being a pirate again. So when I'm in a piratey mood, I just download a torrent. Oh, but we don't do that. We don't have to do that. <laughs> we only. I'm just like if you're a piratey mood, you could. Uh... You could do that. What you're describing with the uh, Assassin's Creed sounds akin to um, playing the Japanese version of Contra mm-hmm. versus the U.S. version of Contra. I'm talking Contra on the NES. Oh, right. Remember right, the right, Japanese right. version? The trees moved. Right. And then the snow stage, the snow actually fell, and there's, like, those differences. That we, it, like, we, Americans, we Americans don't need any of that yeah. shit. MMC3? <laughs> you can have MMC1. Yeah, not important. You plebs. You're fucking secondary market for us anyway. Yeah. So, uh... That truck's coming. Yeah, it's about that time, isn't it? Mm. About time for us to jump up and kick somebody in the face. Again. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I got my uh, my piece of paper here. We got through, um, like, probably one of the things written down. Well, Why do we even bother writing shit down? Like, we, we were like, at the beginning, we were always like, hey, here we are. here's some things we can talk about. And it never. You know why? Because we're not Zack Snyder. Because <laughs> if that motherfucker wrote some shit down, maybe that movie would have turned out okay. <laughs> but we always, like, I had, like, on my whiteboard, like, episode, you know, never. I get the feeling Batman v Superman is going to be a whipping boy. For us? For us. For Forever? a long time. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of movies, superhero movies, before we go, did you see Deadpool? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. It's an entertaining film. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's like a great movie. It's fun. It's just silly fun. It's silly yeah. fun. Yeah. I would watch it over and over and, just for fun. And I love that Ryan Reynolds is so invested in the character the way that RDJ is invested in it. Yeah. Him. He like he's, understands Deadpool and he seems like he's he wants the comic. to do it. In fact, they just did an honest trailer for Deadpool. Yeah. And he is in the honest trailer critiquing the trailer. Oh, That's awesome. As Deadpool. I think that's fucking that's cool. That's fucking cool. Did you see the commercial for the Blu-ray? Yeah, I did. It's like a Viagra commercial? Yeah, I bought it today, in fact. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I also bought the uh, the Blu-ray for Deadpool. <laughs> that's horrible. TMI. It's never TMI. Um, well, yeah, that's true. Well, I need people to be able to read my hashtag Janeway sucks tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> and the show comes full circle, folks. Yeah. Um, call us. 773-492-2642. That's the phone number. Yeah, give us a call. Yeah. We want to hear from you. And, uh, you know, questions, comments, complaints, doesn't matter. You know, you can call the number and you know, tell us what you think. There's like voice over IP and cell phones now. It's not going to cost you nothing. Yeah. Except a couple minutes of your time. To have your questions answered by us. Yeah. We spend like two hours a week talking to you. You could talk back to us. Right. Well, don't talk back to us because we don't, we don't take that. Yeah. But if you want to ask us questions respectfully. Yeah. Or comments or complaints. Right. Or, you know. But respectfully. Or just. Your mother. Your mother. 
Um, and as you already know, because those of you who listen to the show in its entirety know what we're about to say now. Especially that, Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. They all use, Thank you. Yeah, all you folks in Malaysia know that we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter. And, uh, you know, come in, come by and say hello and like and comment and share our posts and spread the word. Do it. Yeah, why not? What are, what are you doing? Seriously. What else is going on in your life? If you're listening to this podcast, Wait, I what are you doing? The question. You know what else is going on in their life? Two things. Jack and shit. <laughs> so spread the word. Exactly. If you're sitting here listening to this, you've got time on your hands. Right. And there's no excuses. Let's honestly. face it. No yeah. excuses. Yeah. Those of you who are still listening, because I bet some people like tune out, which is a shame because we do a lot of our funniest material at the end. Mm-hmm. So your loss. Those of you who aren't listening. <laughs> That's right. We should complain about this at the beginning of the show. Uh, we're on YouTube. Got a couple of uh, our, uh, our hilarious commercials are up there. And there are more coming. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do some. Uh... In fact, we did a little brainstorming for this episode. That's we came right. up with some pretty good ideas. Yeah. That you'll never know because. Well, you'll see them realize, but yeah. you won't. The brainstorming session. Yeah, right, You're not right, privy right. to that. Uh, run iTunes and Google Play. Best ways to listen to us. Not through that archaic web interface. Forget about that stuff. But man. we're still going to put it there anyway. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's some people just don't have access to, like, all this stuff. And we know that. We know that we're on, like, Stitcher. We're on uh, uh, TuneIn Radio. We're on lots of different places. There's links on our website, on the right side of the website, or if, if you're on mobile or at the bottom. If you just don't know anything about this stuff, then forget it. Just listen to the web interface. But um, obviously there are many other ways that you can uh, you can tune into it and listen to that. Uh, also remember I, um, got my video game reproduction shop, red repro, repro.red.tv. Got all kinds of really cool Genesis NES games, some SNES games down the pipe. I just bought a whole stack of chips ready to go. Whole bunch of, whole bunch of new games ready to be made. Looks awesome. (laughs) So that, uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff coming down the pipe. Check that out. And you can follow me at, at Tom Tolios on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't do anything with my Twitter feed. I will someday yeah. when I care again. You can friend me on Facebook. I might accept it. Yeah. Uh, again, Tom Tolios. Um, I am a occasional contributor to Operation Rainfall. That's www.operainfall.com. Now you're still doing uh, just like editing now? More having... lately just editing. Okay. Um yeah, I just haven't really been motivated to write much content. So you're not obligated to write. Well, there are weekly minimums that have to be met, but I've okay. been finding other ways contributing behind the scenes to make up the difference. Oh, okay. Very just scraping by. Uh, adjusting to my new daytime work job. Yeah, my yeah. daytime work is just kind of, it's really, not unless I put my priorities out of whack, but it's basically adjusted my workflow significantly. Mm-hmm. I'm most creative and inspired late at night, and unfortunately because of the early start time, I don't really have the luxury of staying up late, so I just have to make the adjustment. But I'm still a part of the site, and I intend to be. Also, I will occasionally blog at our website, www.gamingam.com. I've got a couple of ideas and things that I want to blog, and those should be coming down the pipe soon. uh, So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Those are all the places you can find me. Good. So that's it. That's it. I had nothing else to say. Well, Never thought I'd say that. (laughs) We do have lots to say, but it's going to have to wait. Yeah, for not today time. though, because yeah, I mean, it, 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 once it gets past two hours, you get into like, like you're just through the fucking looking glass at that point. Exactly. We're just so loopy; it's nonsense. Words. And I'm fucking hungry as hell. I I need I need scissors sixty one, kind of shit. Yeah, which is really good. Probably uh, 
as as interesting as our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, episode nine, Gaming Gam, greatest podcast in the world. I'm Ray Price. I'm Tom Tolios. Catch you next time. <laughs>